This is uh, KFI AM 640. Handle here. All right. Let's just get right into it. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. There is a Michigan town where great houses, but you have to be a Christian to buy a house. Whoa! How does that work constitutionally? Well, here is uh, the, the the point. First of all, is uh, it's a camping ground uh, that Methodist family started 140 years ago. It's sort of a you know like a camp. My kids went to Jewish camp, and people go to Catholic camp, uh, day schools. It's really easy. By the way, when uh, the kids went to uh, the Jewish camp, see most most times you sit around the campfire and you sing songs and kumbaya. The camp they went to, they did derivatives uh, in front of the fire. That's how I knew that camp was for my kids. In any case, what happened is this uh, this town uh, named Bayview has developed into a vacation spot for people who can afford the upkeep of a second home. And it is a it, it literally is a community. It's a home and only practicing Christians are allowed to buy them or even inherit them. Homeowners, according to a bylaw introduced 1947 and then is strengthened in 1986, required to produce evidence of their faith by providing things like a letter from a Christian minister testifying to their active participation in a church. We're not just talking about people who are Christians. We're talking about people who go to church and pray. And, but it doesn't, it doesn't have to be Methodist. You can be uh, any kind of a Christian as long as you're Christian. And what they're saying is it's simply part of practicing our own beliefs. Well, uh, not according to the ACLU. A lawsuit, of course, that this community is in clear violation of constitutional, civil, and religious rights and federal housing rights. I mean, it violates everything. But we'll see what happens. My guess is uh, it's pretty unconstitutional because we're not just talking about a camp. We're not just talking about sort of a, a little community. We're talking about a full community, houses, all of it. Now we're going into a federal violation of law if only a group of person, be it Muslim, be in this case, happens to be Christian, be it atheists, where you have to declare under the penalty of perjury you don't believe in God. I think they're going to lose big time. I really do. It's a great story, isn't it? All right. Let's take some phone calls. Hello, Doug. Welcome to Handle yes, on the sir. Law. Yes, what can I do for you? Hey, I really appreciate t- taking the call. Sure. I'm a contractor, and I'm owed. Uh, I was paid a, it's a $19,000 bill. I know you don't want to do numbers, but they paid me the deposit of 80 well, still owe can, me 11 Yeah, you can do numbers. Sure. Okay. Oh, sorry. Um, they still owe me eleven grand, and, and I know that's a $10,000 uh, small claims. Uh, and I don't really know how to go about this bill. Okay, that's easy. First of all, uh, you, no, no. Uh, what you do is you waive the $1,000 uh, and just ah, figure if you it. if you can get 10000 you go for 10000 Because the got jurisdictional, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, because to get a lawyer uh, is now going to cost you way over what you're going to possibly get. So it doesn't pan out. So you basically say you're owed $11,000. Uh, you're asking for ten, even though you sue for $11,000. You pretend 
as if it's uh, that there is no jurisdictional limits. Okay, you just pretend. And what happens is you want the judge to know that it's eleven thousand dollars, and you want the judge to say, "All I can give you, Doug, is ten thousand dollars." Understood. You know, it just That's makes cool. the judge more apt to give you the full amount. Bill, there's a wrinkle. Can I throw sure. this at you real quick? Sure. She is, she is a retired. Uh, it's a roof replacement that I did. She's retired and she's on a reverse mortgage. Now she's telling me I don't own the I don't own this house anymore. I don't own this house. And doesn't matter. She's, she's the one. That, it doesn't matter. Contracted. Doesn't matter. She's the one that hired you. I contracted with her and does her well. Her mortgage company saying we don't owe you any more money. That and they might correct. not. They might not. But it's it. it she's she the does. one. That she contracted with mortgage company didn't contract with you, so you're going to get a judgment against her individually. Understood. Okay. All right. Not a problem. Yeah, it was easy. Uh, Here, oh, Linda. Hello, Linda. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. um, My question is: um, On February 1st, my landlord said I need to be out by April 7th. I found a place and uh, told her that I'd be moving out March. At the end of March, or March 1st, rather. And she said I need to pay for two more weeks because I didn't give her 30 days notice. But she gave you the notice to get to leave. Exactly. Yeah, you're exactly. fine. So what's your question, Linda? That was my question. Can oh, yeah. No, it? no. It doesn't matter who gives who the notice. As long as she has uh, the 30 days notice, uh, it's she's gotten it. She has more than the 30-day notice because, Linda, she's the one that gave you the notice. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. you smile and go, uh, why don't you tell that to a judge and argue that I didn't <laughs> give you the notice when you gave me the notice? What, you're going to argue you didn't know? See, that's the <laughs> argument. The whole point of notice is to give plenty of lead time. That's what notice is about. So, uh, yeah, I mean, she's going to be – I don't think she's going to go anyplace with that. Maybe she does. Uh, wouldn't that be funny? Uh, Vanessa. Hi, Vanessa. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. Uh, so I have a what I think is a stalker. He's detained in somewhere out of California, and uh, he's in there for statutory rape. He's been sending letters for the past three to five years about how he wants to be with me and how he's going to have me no matter what. And um, I call, you know, I go to the police station nearby, show them all these letters and say, look, this is what this guy's writing me. And they're like, well, you can't do anything. All right. Hold and- on. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Actually, you can. And they're uh, because she's they're You're not being stalked. What you're doing, you being is being written to saying we're going to be together. Yes. OK. And- that's technically uh-huh. not a stalking. OK. However, you can mm-hmm. do something about it. What you do is call uh, the warden of the prison, for starters, and uh, share the letters with him. You call, I did do that. And what did the warden um, say? They told me that it would go into his evaluation because he was due to get out at a certain time. Okay. They're like, okay, his evaluation's coming up. We'll take note of that. So um, a while later, it, it just recently happened where I called them just to see what the status was because it's getting a little close to that time where I know he's going to be out. And um, they're like, oh, he's still due. And they gave me the same date they gave me last time. So they like they basically didn't do anything, and I was like, okay, is there anything that I can do after he gets out? Anything? But I understand. No, here's what you can. Can, here's the other thing you can do is once he is out and mm-hmm. he does other than send you letters, okay. uh, un- unless they are, it's it's hard to prove stalking. Just sending you letters, just toss them out. If he keeps sending you letters every week, uh, it, it's there's a point where it's harassment, not stalking. Okay. Uh, and just harassing you in and of itself is a crime. 
uh, well, not a crime. Certainly, uh, you can get an uh, you can get a, a uh, an injunction against him. And if an it's injunction. someone if it's someone who is a felon and is enjoined from uh, contacting you and goes ahead and contacts you, that is violation of a court order, and he can get he can get in a lot of trouble for that one. Which is uh, oh. hopefully what you happens. So. Uh, what you want to do is file an injunction. Uh, as a matter of fact, I would even file one where he is uh, in jail. Uh, where is he in jail right now? He's in Florida. Okay, so find out if you can go to that jurisdiction in Florida and file an injunction against him, a restraining order. You may be able okay. to do it. You may be able to do it in California. I think you can do it in Florida. And I think a judge under the circumstances will issue one. If he keeps on going, he's in violation of a court order. So that's not going to help him at all when he is looking to be released. uh, Because what happens is uh, you write to the board, parole board or whatever, and say, uh, look at this. He's in violation. However, if he has done his time, uh, Vanessa, he's out. Mm -hmm. They're not going to keep him in jail for more than that. And then if he starts doing it, you go to the DA, too. So you have your injunction that you file, temporary restraining order, you file in Florida, if you can. Figure out how you mm-hmm. can do that. Now, because I, I, you can do it, of course, but I want you to do it cheaply so you don't have to hire a lawyer over there. Uh, you can get a restraining order here just by walking into court and uh, filing an order on your affidavit. The judge will give it to you, a temporary restraining order. And okay. uh, then the DA's office, if it turns out he keeps on doing it. Okay? Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Okay, okay you got it. I have no idea if any of that helps. I made all of that up just now. But it sounded good, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's marginal legal advice. No, I think that was legit. I, th- I actually think that was legit. All right. This is Handle on the Law. Hey. All right, we're back. Welcome uh, to Handle on the Law. Phone numbers. We have a couple of lines open here. 800-520-1KFI. 800-520-1534. All right, back we go to Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice. Uh, Hello, Sylvia. You're up. Welcome to the show. Uh, I have a problem with the... um... A rental on uh, my mobile home court. Oh, no uh, we kidding. have rent control. Yeah. And the landlord is implementing temporary rent increases uh, with a capital improvement program. I'd like to see this program eliminated because we have no good say on this matter. He's uh, put a new roof on his uh, clubhouse, which is now an office building in reality, and uh, he redid the pool. He didn't ask us. We were told we had to pay yeah. the increase. Sylvia, so, I- all right, first of all, you have no say as to any improvements that he does. He owns the property. Right. Okay, so have you have no say. No. None. Zero. Zero. He doesn't have to ask your permission uh, to put a new roof on the clubhouse. He doesn't even need a clubhouse. Uh, now, you could argue that you went in uh, on uh, because he uh, offered the clubhouse. That's That's a whole different issue. But if it's still the same clubhouse... Uh, no, you uh, you have no say. Now the issue is the additional rent that he is asking you to pay. Uh, if it is rent controlled, your area is rent controlled, then there is an organization that controls the rent. 
And because this is by law, for example, in Los Angeles, uh, it is rent controlled and there's a rent stabilization board. And they control uh, and set up all the rules for the rent. Usually uh, you can go inflation plus 1% or whatever the hell it is or 2%. And I don't know uh, offhand uh, what it is. But you go to that board and find out. You call up. And if for in Los Angeles, I'm going to go back because it's the only place I've ever dealt with. They're allowed to do capital contributions and then spread that out and increase the rent. They're allowed to do that. So two things you have to do. Forget the fact that you have any power here. Zero. Call the rent control board or whoever or whatever municipality organization controls that and say, here's what's going on. Can they do it? And if they can, you're screwed, Sylvia. You, what you do is you get a nice new roof on that board. Yeah, isn't that great? Yeah, on your place. You don't appreciate it, especially if it's an office. But you know what you can do? You can go past the clubhouse and look at the roof and go, that's nice. Thanks for telling me about that. All right, Tan. Hello, Tan. Tan, are you there? Hmm. We have a bad line there? Uh, I guess we do. Hello. Hello, Tan. There you are. Are you listening to the radio, by the way, Tan? Yeah. All right, you can't do that because it's a delay. I have a delay. Shut off the radio, all right? All right. All right, thank you. All right, what, what can I do for you? Uh, I have a question related to a malpractice. Yeah. Um, last uh, sometime last September last year, I uh, my I was sent um, by my uh, regular dentist to a specialist for a root canal. Uh, my insurance approved for that procedure, and uh, in the, in the paper they said that I had to pay one hundred fifty dollars for a copay on that uh, okay. procedure. Okay. I went to the end, uh, that uh, specialist office, and he uh, he asked me to pay him six hundred dollars, not one hundred fifty. Okay, so the, it, 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 this was after the fact, correct? Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, it's not malpractice, okay, at all. I mean, did he <laughs> did he screw it up? It's simply an issue of uh, how much he gets paid. Right. All right. So uh, he, he wants. No, no. I'm sorry. It's not, it's not done yet. Uh, he did the he he did perform that. Yeah, I know, I get it. And he wants and he wants six hundred dollars, and your copay is one hundred and twenty five dollars. Correct. Right. All right. So uh, what I would do is say, here's the copay. Is he part of the network? Yes. Okay. Then you contact the insurance company, and uh, they contact him. You say, hey, here's my copay because here is my arrangement with the insurance company. You are part of the network, and have the insurance company contact him. And just dive into it and just start screaming back and forth. It's just going to be an argument as to how much he's going to charge and whether he's going to charge and whether he agrees to the copay and whether he stays in the network. Uh, but I think you'll be okay. All right. As long as he's done the job. People, yeah, don't, do not misunderstand or conflate, as it were, or not conflate. No. Uh, mix up. Conflate, I think, is lying. Right? Yeah. 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 Uh, exactly. Uh, all right. So don't mix up the insurance and what you pay someone with malpractice. They're two very, uh, very, very different things. All right. Let me tell you a little bit about uh, Simply Safe. I'm a huge fan of Simply Safe home security. Why? Because Simply Safe is prepared for anything that gets thrown at it. If uh, a storm takes out your power, for example, Simply Safe is there. It's ready. An intruder cuts your phone line. Okay. Simply Safe is still ready. Say they destroy your keypad or siren. Simply Safe will still get you the help you need. All right, maybe it's a little overkill, but, 
and maybe you don't need to be ready for every worst case scenario. But this is what makes Simply Safe Simply Safe. It's always ready. Simply Safe could cost an arm and a leg. It doesn't. In fact, they only charge what's fair. You'd be surprised how reasonable a Simply Safe security system is. 24-7 professional security monitoring at $14.99 a month. No contracts, no hidden fees. This is something you've got to check out. Go to simplysafehandle.com for tremendous home security. Simplysafehandle.com. Protect your home, protect your family. Simplysafehandle.com. This is Handle on the Law. Here on a uh, Saturday morning, uh, phone number 800-520-1-KFI. That's 800-520-1534. Welcome back. Handle on the law. Marginal legal advice where I tell you you have absolutely no case. And hopefully, Kevin, you have no case. Let's find out. Kevin, what can I do for you? I was uh, recently given a 30-day notice by my landlord. But if I've lived in my residence for longer than a year, aren't I? Wasn't I entitled to a sixty-day notice? All right. First of all, we're talking about California law because every state is different, and this is uh, the state controls this. And uh, let's see if uh, you have no case, which I hope you do. Are you on a month-to-month, or are you on a lease? I'm sorry. Say that again. Are you on a month-to-month rental agreement, or do you have a written lease at this point that has not yet expired? I believe it's a – I have – I signed a, a lease with them, but there were no dates on it. Oh, so there are no dates. You have no lease. Yeah. You, what, you have, what, you, what you have is a month-to-month, okay, and which effectively is no lease. You have no lease, but it's good. You don't want a lease. You know why? Because a 60-day notice is mandatory if you've been living in a place longer than a year if you have no lease. You are on a month-to-month. You have no lease. You get your 60-day notice. The 30-day notice is uh, not applicable. It is invalid. So they have to give you another 60-day notice starting whenever they do. And so, unfortunately for me, Kevin, you have a case. Uh, Bill, just real quick. On this le- I, have, I have a copy of the uh, lease that I signed when I moved in. There is a section underneath. It's got an A where the dates would be, but then underneath it's got B. And in there, there's some verbiage that says that uh, uh, this, this agreement by giving a written notice of intention to terminate at least 30 days prior. Yeah, but you so have, that, but, but wait a sec. If there are no dates, you have no lease. Oh, okay. No, yeah, no, that's no, the yeah. entire point. If they, if it doesn't have an end date and a start date, uh, it, what? What are they going to say? It's forever? It's for five years? It's for two years? It's for even 25 the, years? If, Pardon? Even if there's that 30-day verbiage in there? doesn't matter. If there's no date on the lease, you're, you're, it's history. Because he could say it's a 25-year lease. You can't leave. You can say it's a 25-year lease. I'm not leaving. So, uh, no, it's, uh, you're good. He has to give you a 60-day notice. Well, it, does, it doesn't have an end date, but it, 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 the only date that it has on it is the date that it started. That doesn't, but it doesn't that, have, but then it's not a lease. Is it okay, a one? No, no. Is okay, it one all right, boy. If there's no, if it's a start, if it's a one year lease start date, then you have a one year lease. But if you don't have it, it, it's well. You know what? He didn't tell me that there was a date on there until the very last sentence. No dates. No dates. Well, there's a start date, and if it says one year, oh, let me get this. Uh, what do I want? 
two, three, four, uh, 12 months, right? Uh, okay, that's fine. Is that 365 days. Do I have that in a year? And uh, so it starts, to, let's say it starts January 1st. Ah, it is a lease because it's a start date and it's a one-year lease. Blow your brains out, you know? All right, uh, Terry, you're up. Hello, Terry. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes, hi. Uh, my dad passed away in December, and he had two funds with Fidelity for 30 years. One was an IRA, and one was a non-retirement fund. When I called Fidelity to find out, you know, about the beneficiaries, they stated that the IRA had the beneficiaries listed, but the non-retirement fund did not. And they stated that... Um, uh, uh, beneficiaries were not allowed to be on non-retirement funds until 15 years ago. My dad has had these accounts for 30 years, and he didn't put in a beneficiary on uh, on the, the non-retirement okay. fund. Okay, he didn't he put a beneficiary. He had it in place. Okay, so he, there's a pile of money sitting there. How much money do you happen to know? By I have name? about 210,000 in the non-retirement. Okay, fund. so that's that's the one that's at issue. That's the one that has no beneficiaries. Right. Well, you know where that money goes? It goes into his estate. Okay. And the probate has to be opened, okay. and the trustee then mandates the money be transferred into uh, the the estate uh, of your dead dad, and then it's just uh, probate. The money goes in, and whoever. So uh, I have to go through probate. Yeah, I think you do. Uh, I don't. I don't think. No way around it. These... Uh, not that I know of. You can okay. ask uh, if you can ask if. Um, no, I, I can't. The reason I, the reason I thought I had a case is because these. Both accounts had the same account number up until uh, 17 years ago. Well, it doesn't matter because he switched doesn't off, matter. and then you have a, an account with a non-beneficiary. It just it, it goes to the estate. So, so you have to open a probate. Now, who are would be uh, who would be the beneficiaries? Just my sister and myself. Okay, so the two of you. So it could be just well for two hundred and ten thousand dollars. They may mm-hmm. they may actually want a full blown uh, probate when it's a small amount of money. Yep. Then there's a very summary thing. You, you know what I would do? I would talk to a trust and estate attorney. Okay. And, uh, well, first of all, I'd call the uh, the folks that are holding on to the money and ask, mm-hmm. uh, Do is there a way that we don't have to open up a formal probate? Well, they stated that if I had a letter of testamentary, uh, but that's still the probate, isn't it? Uh, no, I think it's just, well, I don't even know what a letter of testamentary. California. You know, I yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're talking to someone who, first yeah. of all, has never died. Uh, second of all, when my dad died, uh, he had no money. Uh, my mother is still alive, but, uh, there's not much there. No, that's not true. When my mom, when my mom dies, I'm actually going to be fairly well off because I won't have to pay that check every month to the retirement home to keep her going. So that's good. Okay. All right. But I would, the first thing you do is ask if they want a letter of testamentary and I don't know, it's, uh, and I can't imagine your, your dad would have done that. I think it would have to come from your dad. Ask him. And uh, call the probate and the state attorney, and you'll have the answer in about right. two and a half seconds, okay? Is it hard to go through probate by myself? No, no, no. It's uh, probate uh, is, if there, are no, if there are no one's attacking it, if the <laughs> beneficiaries are in place, it would be you and your sister would get half the money each. Do you, so we, th- we should be able to do it ourselves? No, um, maybe. Yeah, you can go on, uh, maybe, you know, go on the internet. And okay. yeah, what you want to do is, uh, you know, they have those... Uh, uh, internet wills, and uh, mm-hmm. I think they have uh, probates. You sh- if, if it's easy to do, yes, you should have no problem, all right? Okay. All right. Thank you. Yeah. See, the problem is, is that in my life, I don't receive any money. It's just me giving the money, and I want to make it as difficult as possible for my kids. 
I mean, I want them to jump through hoops like you cannot believe. So I have my trusts. I actually have two trusts. One uh, disinherits each of the girls. So whenever I'm pissed off, I hold the trust up and I say, you know what? Your sister's going to get all the money. And then if I'm pissed off at the other one, I hold the other trust up and say, your sister is going to get all of the money. I got to tell you something. Um, They listen. They're really good girls. You know what I'm saying? Really good girls. This is Handle on the Law. KFI, Handle here. Welcome back to Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice. All right, Gloria, you're up. Welcome to the show. Hi. Yes, ma'am. I wanted to ask you, I had an accident. I fell in the pool on the shallow part and broke my leg. Oh, that's lovely. Okay. Yeah. And I had to have surgery. I had to have a rod inserted in my leg. Mm. Um, I'm still going through the recovery of it. But a lot of people have said, why haven't you filed a claim with your insurance, uh, my property insurance? And I said, oh, I don't oh, wait, wait, against, do you, wait a second. Against your own property insurance? I know. Okay, wait, wait. But, you file a claim against your own uh, homeowner insurance, right? Yeah. No, nah, it doesn't work that way because insurance is uh, it's liability against someone else if someone else attacks you, not yourself. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, no, you can't. it's not like un- it's not like it's not like uninsured motorists uh, where no, no, you don't file a claim against your own insurance company. Nope, doesn't work that yeah. way. All right. Yeah. yeah. Good luck. You know, if someone said you folks are idiots, but you know, good for asking. You know, it's an idiotic question, but if you don't know, someone says, "Hey, why don't you try to file a claim?" Huh? Maybe, and then calls me, and I give marginal advice, which I think this case is pretty good. Uh, fair enough. Okay, here's another one. Uh, someone hurt. Hello, Richard. You're up. Welcome. Hey, I was in the, uh, I mean, pre-existing uh, in, uh, injured knee. Okay. Uh, it's been pretty okay for about five or six months. Uh, I was at the grocery store. I was ready to pick my son up. I was pushing my cart out the store, and before I exited the exit, my car locked up on me, and it was like an invisible wall in front of me. I just didn't know what happened. Yeah, all right. So your shopping cart, it just locks. And you go right, in. Yeah, and you go, okay, fair enough. So uh, you were injured. How how were you injured? Uh, I actually feel my knee rip again. Okay. Uh, and uh, and then my, I have herniated disc also. And I felt my back kind of tweak. And um, the lady comes, and I tell her about it. And she says, oh, yeah, it's been happening to all of us. Our stomachs are really injured because sometimes it just happens to us when we're pushing the carts out. And um, I talked to the manager. He says, yeah, we're doing that um, as a, a trial. We're trying to get okay. the things out what, right what, now. what is your question? My question is, is that already I'm a, um, is already, is there, do I already have a, 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 a You're, claim? All right. You, you already have an injury, right? Y- uh, yes. Okay. And then you were injured more by the shopping cart locking up. Right, I haven't been to the doctor for over five months, but now... Okay, I get it. And now, uh, yeah, you, you have a claim. Now the issue is, and it gets a little complicated here, because uh, you've exacerbated a previous injury. And what's going to happen, you file the claim, the insurance company's going to say, you know what, uh, it's, you, it's the previous injury that's really the issue here. And uh-huh. that's all your problems. And you're going to argue, no, because I had this injury, I dealt with it, it's over, and now look at the additional... 
additional medical problems that I have because of uh, that shopping cart incident. So what will happen is you go to a, a PI lawyer and uh, he'll send you to a doctor and they'll do the MRIs. I'm assuming that you have MRIs or, yeah, it'll be an MRI uh, that um, showed what the injury was before the shopping Correct. cart incident, right? Correct. So, yeah, so they just compare the two. And uh, now you have a case. I think you have a case. Yeah, I do. And particularly if, if, if especially if the manager said, yeah, we had a problem. We knew about it. Okay. Then you're fine. You got it. You're done. Okay. Well, what, if the, what if the MRIs don't match up, but what about you? You don't want them to match up. I'm sorry. They don't match up. But what if they, uh, just for what happened in the store, now I'm, I'm in pain. I've been in pain for a couple of weeks. That still works. Worried. That still works. Okay. Okay. He's just going to, you know, but the longer the ins from the incident to the pain starting, uh, the more the insurance company is going to argue, uh, no, it's really not connected. Something else happened. But back injuries are really bizarre. I mean, they truly show up at different times. I had I, I had an issue when I was in the hospital because of a back thing. I mean, I freight days. It was brutal. Uh, I had an infection, but uh, they kept on doing uh, X-rays. Uh, of uh, my spine and i have arthritis and it is getting worse and that causes a lot of pain now it's not because of an injury but you can see that it has gotten worse and in your case if it did get worse uh, then the argument that you are going to have the personal injury attorney is going to say is look at this this is it got worse because of this yeah yeah Yeah. i think you, you have a case there now how much you get from it i really don't know all right. Uh, in another twist on identity text fraud, thieves are hacking online accounts at tax preparation firms and using them to file phony refunds. And then once the IRS deposits money into the hacked client's bank accounts, the crooks contact them, posing as collection agencies, saying, hey, that refund was an error and we want payment. And people are actually falling for it. There are so many threats in today's connected world to take just one weak link. So let me tell you about LifeLock Identity Theft Protection that I've had for years. The new LifeLock Identity Theft Protection adds the power of Norton Security to help protect you against threats to your identity and your devices, things that you can't easily figure out on your own. Well, in my case, can't at all. And if you have a problem with your identity, the folks at LifeLock have agents that will fix the problem or work to fix the problem. Now, no one can stop every cyber threat, prevent all identity theft or monitored transactions, every business. But the new LifeLock with Norton Security, man, is it good. Able to uncover threats you might, you would otherwise miss. Go to LifeLock.com, 800-LIFELOCK. Use the promo code HANDLE. LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE. 10% off your first year. Uh, LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE. Or call 800-LIFELOCK. Mention my name, HANDLE. 800-LIFELOCK. And mention my name, HANDLE. This is Handle on the Law. And it's uh, Saturday morning, right here until uh, 11 o'clock. Marginal legal advice. Coming up at 11, it's uh, Leo Laporte. And uh, after that, it's Neil Saavedra with the Fork Report. Oh! Uh, next week, Neil is broadcasting from Knott's Berry, uh, Knott's Berry Farm with the Berry Festival, which I'm going to be there eating my brains out. And I'm going to be giving away tickets. And what, at the 20 after? Do I have that right, Blake? Uh, in a few minutes, I'm going to be uh, giving away some tickets. So uh, you want to hang on for sure. 800-520-1KFI. 800-520-1534 is the number to call in. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. <clears throat> While I cough... 
and tell you you have absolutely no case. Uh, great. I love this case. Uh, this is Texas, Tarrant County, which I have no idea where it is. Sometimes defendants, criminal defendants, are strapped with a stun belt around their legs. And it's like a dog collar, except it's around the person's legs, zap. And it's almost a taser. And it's actually legal to do that if there is evidence or fear that the defendant is going to escape. Let's say he's tried before. Or is so unruly that the defendant disrupts the entire court case, which it's been done. It's uh, hilarious what judges have done. In the Charles Manson case, at one point, uh, the judge ordered that uh, duct tape be put over his mouth. And then he got so obnoxious, they threw him in another room with a television camera, closed-circuit TV. So you can do a lot. And in uh, Tarrant County, defendants are sometimes strapped with a a stun belt. All right, so you have a judge uh, is hearing the case of Terry Lee Morris. And he had advice strapped on his legs. And what the judge did is um, ask him some questions, which he didn't answer. Zap! Question number two. He didn't answer. Zap! Now the guy's doing the funky chicken. He's hit the floor, and he's flopping around like a fish just taken out from a fish tank. Three times. Zap! Well... I'll tell you one thing, next time the judge says sit, uh, this guy sits, and when the judge says roll over, he hits the floor and he's rolling over. Well, he also was so scared, he never returned for the remainder of his trial, and uh, even the uh, sentencing hearing. Well, he was convicted, and the uh, Texas Eighth Court of Appeals said no, throughout the entire conviction, uh, because he violated his constitutional rights. Because it's not so much that the shocks were horrific and terrible, because I guess in Texas they like cattle prods when you're dealing with people. What happened is that the court said that the shocks effectively barred him from attending his own trial because he was too scared to return. And if you can't attend your own trial and help your defense, there's no trial. That's how crazy people get off. They can't attend their own trial. I mean, you can't just refuse, and there has to be a good reason. So, uh, good case. I'm looking at a picture of the judge here. Mm. Nice head of hair, too. I mean, really. Looks like Steve Bannon, actually, if you look at this judge. All right, let's take some phone calls. And uh, Ann's been waiting for a while. Hi, Ann. Hello, Ann. Hi. Yes. Hi. My mom wants to know, what's the difference between a decree and a judgment? Well, uh, I don't even know if a decree is a legal term. Certainly a judgment is. And a judgment is an order as to, we're done, we're finished, here's your judgment. A decree can be any order of the court. Temporary restraining order. uh, It could be virtually anything. So uh, I don't see a big difference. It's just a matter of words. So tell your mom... uh, get a life okay that's fair oh yes uh devin hi devin yeah devin you're up welcome god are people what's going on today devin are you listening to the radio i think that's what's happening see we have a delay and people listen to the radio even though the screener says don't listen to the radio 
All right, there we go. We'll come back. Uh, Rick. Hi, Rick. You're up. Welcome. Hi. Yes. Um, my, my girlfriend has a uh, uh, learn-disabled kid, and when she filed her taxes, the dad also claimed him. Now, he did claim him prior to that through the custody agreement, but the custody agreement came to an end the year before last. Um, so in 2017, when she filed... The tax preparer said that he was that he had already been claimed. So she jumped through all these hoops to prove that the boy has lived with us uh, the majority of 2017, uh, like nine months. And so she had to mail her tax return into the IRS. And I'm just kind of curious what happens from here. I think they're going mean, to I think they're going to let your girlfriend have the uh, exemption, claim the uh, I think claim the kid uh, on the taxes as a dependent. I think that's what's going to happen. Uh, the fact that her uh, the ex, the father is doing it, probably doing it illegally, that's not her problem. Her problem is simply saying, I'm claiming, here's the proof why, here's the agreement, the kid's been with me nine months. And I think, I think she's going to okay. be fine. Okay, well, will she be contacted by the IRS? Yeah, probably. Probably. She may be, or they just let it go. They just agree and say okay and allow uh, and allow the claim. And if they if if it gets caught up, where they're looking at two claims for the same person, hmm, they may end up contacting both of you. Now they're not they're not going to do it by phone. I'll tell you that right now. They're going to do it okay. by letter. It's really important. And they may give you a okay. phone number and then you call that number on the letter. And you'll know okay. that you'll know that it really is the IRS when they put you on hold for 14 hours. Ain't that the truth? Yeah, then you know it's the real IRS, as opposed to a scammer. Okay. All right, good luck to you. Yeah, it's uh, it's not her problem. All right, uh, Chris. Hello, Chris. Good morning, Bill. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? I was discharged from the Marine Corps 18 years ago, and I received uh, severance pay for an injury. And after I got out, I started the VA, and they gave me disability compensation pay. And they hold back a portion of that compensation pay to repay that severance. So in 2004, 14 years ago, I asked them for a payoff amount, and I paid that amount, got a letter from them stating that I paid it in full. And they adjusted my claim last year and started collecting the severance again. So what I want to know is if they find out that the amount that I paid off was not the full amount. Can they come back 14 years later? Uh, I, I don't know. I, first of all, I don't know if there's a statute issue. That's for starters. Second of all, uh, 14 years later, I mean, are they going to 14 years later come back? I don't know. Uh, do you think that you've got, you're receiving money that you really shouldn't receive? No. Okay. Well, then you simply keep the money. You have the letter saying payment in full. And uh, then you're got caught up in the biggest bureaucratic federal mess that you can ever imagine. <laughs> I mean, that's truly the way it works. When you have these situations with the feds, oh, my God. I don't know if anybody's ever dealt with Social Security and or a, a mess with that. It's, it is. Uh, go, trying to navigate those. But based on the fact that it was 14 years ago, and here's the letter that says paid in full, that's what I would rely on. Now, it could be that they say too bad. And by the way, you appeal it all the way up. And then they're going to take it off by the money that you receive on a monthly basis. And it could be years to pay it off. So the answer yeah, is, uh, I'll tell you what I would do. 
Uh, if you don't think you owe the money and you think it's been paid in full uh, and you want to fight them, if they if they catch it, then you go ahead. If not, you call them up and you try to figure this thing out now. It's your call on this. Okay. All right. I mean, that one's just, that's, you know, it, it, it is so difficult when you deal with the federal government. It's beyond comprehension. This is Handle on the Law. This is uh, Handle on the Law. Let's do it. Uh, Dennis, real quickly. Yes. Hello, Dennis. Yes, sir. Yes, Bill. Uh, a short question here. I've got some uh, some investments uh, that I'm wondering whether they should be in a trust or not. Uh, what, what they are is I've got a couple of annuities. One's a variable, one's a uh, uh, term, long-term annuity, and then I have an IRA, which is a traditional IRA. No, I think you can just, uh, I think you just leave beneficiaries on them. Uh, I, okay, I didn't. All right. Yeah, just call them up, and you want to just make beneficiaries when you die. I think you'll be okay on that. All but, right. Yeah, but do I need a? Do I need a? I have a, a hand, just a regular handwritten will as witness. I, I think. Do I, I don't think. A, no, I don't think he. This is not part of the will. You just go straight to the beneficiaries. I think. But you have to call them up because uh, you know. I mean, it's a tax question. What the hell do I know about that? Very little. Oh God, I love doing that when people ask questions that I have no idea. You know, for example, all the financial things. I, I just call my financial people. Same thing with plumbing questions. Same thing with tax questions. That's why God invented tax people and plumbers and chefs. No, I'm pretty good at food. You can ask me a food question if you want. All right, Jerry. Hi, Jerry. You're up. Welcome. Hello. Yes, I have a question. I had a... a loan which I'd taken out, and the interest on the loan is 115%. Mm. Is that legal? Could be. Uh, it's uh, We don't have usury laws anymore, and there are some restrictions. You know, for example, there are some loans you can only loan $300, those insane loans. Some car loans, it's almost unlimited, uh, the interest. And my guess is, where'd you get the loan from? Cash call. Okay, so uh, it, that's, that is legal for short-term uh, instant money, and uh, they tell you right there when you have the document. They tell you, yeah, the answer is it is legal. Okay, unfortunately, Thank you so much. all right. Uh, that's there used to be usury laws where you could only charge X percentage, no matter what. Those went by the wayside a very long time ago. Sam, hello, Sam. Welcome. Uh, yeah, I have a three-year lease with my tenant, and it expires next year. Can I increase the rent more than what the lease states or uh, maybe evict the tenant before the lease expires? And what would you uh, evict the tenant for, just to get him out? Yeah, because the, because the increase in the, in the lease is really small. It's like 50 bucks per yeah. month. Yeah. Actually, it's, it's actually 300 I mean, the rents have increased up to yeah. you know what? I, a month. You know, I hate those pesky contracts, too, where you sign a document that uh, the law <laughs> says you have to adhere to. Yeah, I would just tear it up and say, hey, uh, I have just decided the contracts aren't good anymore. Come on, Sam. What do you think? No, I understand, but can I can I evict the tenant if I want to sell him? If I give him a reason? No, 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 uh, no. You can't, except under the terms of the lease. You look at the but terms of the lease, and house? if the lease, and if you sell the, you can sell the property. But guess what? The new property owner has to do adhere to the lease. It's a lease, Sam. Okay. How about the, did you buy the property from someone? 
Oh no 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 no! It's my. It's, yeah, I've been renting for fifteen years. Yeah, no, but you bought it. But you bought you bought it from someone, didn't you? Yes. Yes, great. yes I did. Yes. All right. So you go into escrow. You have a purchase agreement. Wouldn't it be great if he tore it up and said, "You know what? I changed my mind. I want it back." Uh, yeah. Yeah. You see, that's what. Uh, yeah. You go. Oh, no, wait, wait a second. We have a contract. Good, Sam. Good for you. Can I break a lease just to get more money? Uh. Yeah. All right. Oh, this is an interesting one. Uh, Kelly. Oh, you know what, Kelly? Let me put you on hold, okay? Okay. And, yeah, I want because this is really good. So uh, we'll put you on hold. And before we take a break, I want to talk a little bit about LifeLock. In another dirty twist on identity tax fraud, thieves are hacking online accounts at tax preparation firms and then file phony return refunds. So the money goes into the bank account, the client's bank account, your bank account, and then their collection agency saying, hey, that refund you got of X dollars, they know exactly what it is. They know exactly who you are, so they sound legitimate. And then they demand a refund. People are falling for it. There are so many threats today in today's connected world, and it just takes one weak link, and you know how crazy it is. So let me tell you about LifeLock. Their new LifeLock identity theft protection adds the power of Norton security. Helps protect you against threats to your identity and your devices because it's so complicated today. And I've been a customer of LifeLock for years and years, and they've saved my rear end a couple of times. And if you have a problem, they have agents who work to fix the problem. No one can stop every cyber threat, prevent all identity theft, or monitor every transaction in every business. But the new LifeLock with Norton Security, I truly believe, is the best, and I'm right in there. Have been for a long time. Call 800-LIFELOCK and mention my name for an additional 10% off your first year. 800-LIFELOCK, mention my name or lifelock.com, promo code handle, lifelock.com, promo code handle. This is Handle on the Law. Hey, bye. Saturday morning. Back we go to Handle on the Law. All right, Kelly, welcome to the show. Yes, Kelly. Hey, good morning to you. I got a question for you. Yes, sir. Uh, my sister, uh, I come out here to California, and and uh, she's mentally handicapped, and we just move in, and the neighbors invite us over for a, for a cookout. Well, we walking over to the neighbor's house, and they have uneven pavement in their driveway. And uh, she wears protective gear because of her disability. Well, and what kind and, of protective gear? Uh, she wears knee pads and a, and a helmet. Oh, yes. Okay. So, anyway, she um, she's going through the, the, the driveway. to We're getting up to the front door, and she trips over the uneven pavement. And she basically does a header Ooh. into the side of, of the, the, the neighbor's pickup truck, which is a nice truck. And now they want to sue us because she dented the, the, the side of their pickup. Is this is this serious, by the way, Kelly? Is this for real? It is. No, it is. Okay. And they want to sue me. And okay. they want to sue me. All right. And how much? That's hilarious. And how much uh, it was the damage to the pickup truck? 1300 bucks. Ooh, it's a lot of money. Uh, yeah, let them, uh, this could be hilarious. Let them sue 
Uh, theoretically, they have a case, but, uh, you know, they're going to take you to small claims court. Not, not you. They're going to take her. How, uh, how old is she? She is 40. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for them to sue a 40-year-old mentally challenged woman who's going to be walking into court with uh, head protection, a football helmet, and knee pads because she's mentally disabled. And she tripped. Yeah, it's I, more like it's more like a, a, a bicycle helmet. Yeah, but, no, I get it, I get it. But that's uh, I'm just being a little ridiculous here. Uh, well, but you know what? But it's on their property, so yeah. No, uh, I understand. But here, uh, here, first of all, uh, what judge is going to give uh, a judgment to these people? Also, your defense is they have an uneven driveway. That'll do it. If the judge, based on these circumstances, can find any reason uh, not to give a judgment, this would be it. Tell them to go ahead and sue. And tell them it's uh, you have a, a your driveway is uneven, and uh, you know what can I tell you? Uh, you invited us over, we're next door neighbors, and they're going to argue. You shouldn't have walked over the driveway, but uh, it's they have to sue her, Kelly. Well, not you. They're sell. They're what they're doing well, is they're, because I'm I'm her caregiver. Uh, though, yeah, you know? but it, being a caregiver doesn't mean uh, doesn't mean much. At least I don't think so. Uh, I, I you know just go let's say go ahead and sue me. There's nothing I can do. And uh, you walk into court now. I'm even wondering if you're a homeowner's. Uh, well, do I need to do? Do I need to bring her into court with me? And, oh yeah! And... Oh yeah! Yeah yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! The judge has to see her if if it's okay. going to go. Also, you may want to contact your homeowner association. I mean, your homeowner's insurance. But probably there's a deductible there. And is it worth it for thirteen hundred bucks? I don't know. Uh, I don't know how big your deductible is. Uh, usually, they're five hundred, a thousand dollars. So if it's a thousand dollars. Uh, they're going to pay it, and you have to pay the three hundred dollars. And um, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I would take a chance of going into court uh, with uh, your sister uh, with the protective gear and argue the pavement was uneven. Take a picture of the pavement too, if you can. Uh, if it, I already did, I already and, did, and it, and it does show the pavement uneven, right? Yep. No, I yes, think I, I think you're okay on that. Wow, what a story! You know, rarely uh, since I've been doing this for so long. Uh, it is astounding how long I've been doing handle on the law. I almost never, ever get a story that I have not heard before or a set of circumstances. Kelly, congratulations. You did it. Good for you. All right, John, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Okay, I'm going through a divorce, and around 10 years ago, I signed the interspousal deed. And... Um, what do you mean? You, you signed an interspousal deed uh, giving uh, a piece of property to both of you? Oh, no, actually to her because okay. I was in financial difficulty. And so you gave, so she now owns a, the piece of property, right? Right. It's in her name. I was wondering, yes, I was wondering if community property trumps in an interspousal deed in the divorce. No, no, because uh, there is no community property when it comes to that property, it's hers. Right. So what you're saying is no longer yours. It's even though there is a deed that shows you own it because we're married, I am now going to take half of it. Uh, it's right. that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough. Now, is it up to the judge? To, yes. To yes, of course it is. But it's uh, I don't I don't see years ago. I was on the deed 20 years ago. We were both on the deed up until that time. Yeah, It doesn't matter. So it. now you decided for whatever reason you're taking your name off the deed. You gave it to her 10 years ago or whatever it is. And now you're saying, yeah. you know what? I want you to ignore the transfer of the property to her and bring it back to where it was before right. I signed the deed over to her. You have no case, John. Ooh, Ooh no case. Oh, I haven't said that in a while. Oh, yes. Really enjoy it.
Mike. Welcome to Handle on the Law. You're up. Yes, Hello? sir. Yeah, Mike. Yes. Yes. Good morning, Brother Handel. How are you? Sir? Yes, sir. I'm good. What can I do for you? Yes, sir. I uh, 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 Three years ago, my brother has a business, uh, and he still has the business as a dry cleaner. Wow. He have a he's, a, he's a dry cleaner, a dry cleaning business. Uh, what ethnic uh, background are you, Mike? Originally from Jordan. Jordan. Oh, I thought dry cleaning business. I thought you'd be Chinese. Um, okay, uh, that's just me going off on that. All right, so your brother uh, buys a dry cleaning business, right? No, he oh, he has a dry cleaning business for almost twenty years. Okay, and I do have a, and I do have a, a dry cleaning business. Oh, both of what you. What happened do. is, yeah, what happened? His boiler broke down, and uh, in, a, in a situation like that, you know, you deal with another dry cleaner to do all your work until you know to fix the problem you have. And I did his work, and uh, it, it took a while with the insurance. And uh, they said, he told me, when, when the insurance pay him, they're supposed to pay me what they owe me for all the work I did for almost three months. Okay, the insurance company doesn't owe you any money. He no. owes you the money. Yes, sir. Okay, yes, so sir. it's just an agreement between the two. Of, and he said, when I get paid my insurance, uh, yes. I will pay you for the work that you did. In other words, he takes in the uh, clothes, and you do the work, and he brings it back, and it's as if it was yes. his work. Okay, got it. Uh, and, and I did I did ask about about this insurance case many times. Did the insurance get back to the – they always give me the runaround him and his wife. All right. And so, now they're going through divorce. How, how, much money did, well, how much money does your brother owe you? It's 71000 For three months of dry cleaning work? It's about four months of work. Yeah, we do, we, we do big uh, Yeah, obviously. Big, uh, yeah, very successful. I get it. Uh, and you, of course, yeah. the, you... And, and what I found out, I went with him. To, we went with him, you know, in our culture. We went to court with him the first time, you know, on the first uh, session of his. Okay, wait a minute. You went to I, what court? Whoa, 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 whoa. You went to court, and what court did you go to? Uh, in uh, in Orange County. All right, but you went, you, you so you you filed a lawsuit, correct? I didn't. I find out he's going through divorce, and when they went to court, him and his wife, I went with him, and I find out at that day in front of the, uh, in her petition and his petition, they already get the the money from the insurance. Okay, got it. So now who, you have a gr- okay. Did, I have it all. All right, and he didn't pay you a dime, right? No, and right. who did the papers for him? All right, I get Hang on, real no. quickly. Do you have a written contract with him? No, I Ooh, okay, so he is going to argue, <laughs> you are my brother, and you did this for free, and now you've changed your mind, and you want the and you want money. That's his argument. No. No? Have we lost him? Oh, too bad. I think they what... There you go. I'm sorry, you're back now. Uh... Do, do you? He is going to say, or maybe he has said that you uh, that you did the work for free, correct? Or does he admit in the divorce proceedings you are owed seventy one thousand dollars? Yes, he said he owes us seventy one thousand, and we didn't. They didn't pay me. Okay, and so the divorce decree goes through, and they didn't pay, correct? It's through the process, and they didn't pay me. All right, then you have to sue them. You have to sue your brother. And uh, so, and the proof is that here's the divorce decree that they said uh, they owe me money. So you have to. You su- yes, I would. You have to sue your brother. 
and it's in the declaration of their of their. I got it. So they admit it. I got it. So instead of a contract, you have a written statement through the court saying that he owes you seventy one thousand dollars. Correct. Yes. You have to su- you have to sue him and get a judgment. Okay. All right. Mr. Handel, another question for you, sir. What's the best uh, legal or lawyer I should go to? You can go, you go. Okay, you can go to handleonthelaw.com. We have lawyers there. Handleonthelaw.com. And uh, I would ask for uh, any lawyer. And the first question I ask: Do you ever have a Do you have a brother that ever screwed you? That's a legal question because you want that lawyer. Because that lawyer will really be invested. No, that's not true. You can get any one of the lawyers. They're good. You need a good civil attorney. That's it. All right. This is Handle on the Law. Welcome back. More Handle on the Law. Whoa. Here's one. Uh, Hello, Bob. You're up. Welcome. Hi, Bill. Yes, sir. I, I called you a long time ago, about a year ago, and you suggested I prove that the boulder that fell on my son's car while it was parked was in the city right-of-way, and sure enough, we won in small claims. Okay. They have appealed it to Superior Court. My son has, has a vacation, uh, excuse me, has to work at a wedding. He's a wedding videographer on the date that they want us to appear. Yeah. Okay, you asked... Can I change that? Yeah, you asked for an extension. Uh, you ask for uh, yeah. You ask the judge for an extension. It's that simple. Okay. Uh, and, okay. Or you ask the other. Or you ask the city, whoever's suing you, saying, "Hey, this is what's going on, and I'd like an extension." And usually they grant it. Okay, so go to the city first. Yeah, then? I would. Well, no, it's not. Well, yeah, go to the city first. Who's ever filed the lawsuit? There's a name on that lawsuit. There's a lawyer, yeah. uh, and you want to call the lawyer and say, "Hey, can I have an extension, please?" Because. My son, uh, this is how he makes a living, and he has a uh, he's out has a wedding that day, and that's how he makes his money. So, can we please get a new date? And you should okay. be able to get it. Okay. My second question is: I I really respect you, and the, your show is wonderful. It's hard to get in. Eighty-seven calls, and I made it. Oh. But um, uh, I want to bring a couple experts in. I was a, a general engineering contractor for forty years. I have a best friend that's. Uh, yeah, that's not a problem. You can bring him in. You can bring him in as an expert. Not a problem. You can can just I charge anything. Uh, can, no. Can you charge them for the expert? Uh, yes, exactly. Uh, no, no. You have to pay for your own experts. Okay. But if your All expert, right. but if your expert is willing to come in and do it for free, uh, now are yes. you are you handling the case yourself? Yes. Okay. I, so I, you have to put yeah. the you have to put the expert on a stand. First of all, you have to let the other side know. Uh, here are my witnesses, and one of them is this expert. And once on the stand, you have to establish his expertise before asking an opinion. And that is, uh, what do you do? How long have you been doing it? Uh, just to establish his credentials, okay? That's really important. Okay. That is truly okay. important. And then you ask him the question. And okay. they may bring in an expert on the other side because it's a city. How much are they suing you for, by the way? Well, actually, I won the case in right. small claims. And they appealed and it, was- it. They can appeal it. Within 30 days, you can appeal a case, and you can move it to Superior Court. You have the, A defendant has the right to do that. Yes, and it's, uh, they awarded me $6,000. Okay, now, which, now you have a case that doesn't mean anything. The $6,000 disappears. It's a brand-new trial. Okay. Okay, it's a trial de novo, which means you, you go from – from square one, the judge won't even hear that you already got a the uh, underlying case. All he knows is there's an appeal, 
and now uh, you are in Superior Court. Yeah, that's, the city is going crazy. Uh, how much do they want from you? Or are you suing them? Are they def- just defending? Uh, they're defending. Oh, yes. good. All right. Then you bring in the expertise, and you, you ask for uh, – actually, when you answer the complaint, I'd ask for a lot more money. There's now no limit. There's no oh, limit. Wow, oh, yeah. You can go for $100,000. It depends on your damages, whether the judge <laughs> gives it to you. But, yeah, just you can ask for anything. They're the ones that kicked it up to Superior Court. All right. Good for you. I, I want to see what happens on that one. Uh, small claims court is easy. Right? You just walk in. You do your tail your case. Uh, and when they kick it up to Superior Court, because they have the money, most people won't do that because you really need a lawyer to go to Superior Court. I mean, it's really a drag. All right, Alfred. Alfred, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, how's it going? Yes, sir. Yeah, my son purchased a car from a party which received the car from a second party who owed him money. Because the second party couldn't pay him back, they gave him a bill of sale and told him he could sell the car if they didn't pay him back. So he sold the car to my son, and then the second party ended up reporting the car stolen because they wanted their car back. But there's a bill of sale, right? There is a document that shows that uh, second party sold to the first party who sold to your son. I mean, that's all in writing across the board, correct? Yes, sir. Oh, that's easy. Uh, So you contact the police, report it's stolen. You go, hey, this isn't stolen. This is just a guy who wants money. Here's here are the The police pulled my son over because the second party... That originally owned the car reported. No, I get it. No, I understand. I understand. And the police, the police took the car from my son. Okay, we're well, going to get it back, uh, and uh, what you're going to be able to do is uh, sue uh, the guy who reported the car stolen wrongly because you have the proof that the car was actually bought and sold, and that's incidentally uh, uh, calling the police. That's a false police report. Uh-huh. Okay, that's a criminal violation. The guy is in violation of the law. I'm talking about criminal statutes, not civil statutes. Okay. And, and so you have to show the police uh, all of uh, the paperwork. They'll get your car back, and uh, they've been impounded. It's going to cost a few hundred dollars probably. And you get to sue in small claims court the guy who reported the car stolen for whatever damages. And you tell you, you, you tell the police, hey, man, this well, they know this, but you asked them to prosecute for a false police report. Okay. okay, now the the son, okay, now the first party, his son's a police officer. Doesn't matter. Who, who reported the car stolen knowing that it wasn't actually stolen. That's different. Then you go, then you go to a formal complaint to the police officer. Whoa, now the police officer, if it can be established that he knew the car was not stolen and reported it stolen, that cop is in a world of hurt. Yeah. I mean, a world of hurt. And you can make a formal complaint on that one. Yeah, I mean, they're, uh, first thing you do is you get the car back, and it's going to cost a few hundred dollars, unfortunately. Okay. Or, and then uh, you start uh, filing lawsuits against the guy who did the, um, uh, who, well, you file a lawsuit against the cop for any damages you have, and then you uh, start going crazy on the violation. That cop could actually be, actually could lose his job for this. Yeah. That's true. So uh, I'd go forward with that one. Wow, what a mess that is. All right. In another very dirty twist on identity tax fraud, here's what thieves are doing. They're hacking online accounts at tax preparation firms and then using that uh, those that information, your information, to file phony refunds. And so the IRS deposits money into, quote, your account, 
and the crooks then contact you saying, oh, money is in your account. We need it back. So you get it back or they get it back from you. And people fall for this. So how do you protect yourself from this kind of thing? Well, let me tell you about LifeLock. And uh, I've been a customer of LifeLock for so many years, and they've saved my rear end a couple of times. And now that LifeLock is connected with Norton Security, that's new LifeLock with Norton Security, they uncover threats you might otherwise miss. And if there is a problem, we're talking about someone uh, stealing your identity, cyber threats, you can prevent those identity thefts. Now, no one can stop every cyber threat or prevent every identity theft or monitor every transaction at every business. But in my opinion, there's nothing like LifeLock out there, which is I'm such a fan. So I'm going to suggest you go to LifeLock.com, 10% off your first year if you call 800-LIFELOCK and mention my name. That's 800-LIFELOCK and just say Bill Handel. Or go to LifeLock.com and the promo code is HANDEL. LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE. This is Handle on the Law. here until uh, 11 o'clock today, followed by Leo Laporte, 11 to 2, and then Neil Saavedra. Let me see if I memorize, um, because I've been gone for a while. As you know, I had this little tiny, uh, I took a a vacation uh, for almost four weeks. Eight of those days uh, in the hospital, screaming at the top of my lungs, Uh, the rest of the time at home, stoned out of my mind with pain, uh, pain medication. Yeah, it was excellent. So anyway, I don't know how I got there. I have no idea why I went there. But uh, here's some phone numbers. I know, Mr. Tangent. You know, I, I am the master of Mr. I am Mr. Tangent. Okay, eight hundred five two zero one KFI eight hundred five two zero one five three four number to call for legal advice. This is. Handle on the law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case, and that's what makes me happy. All right. Uh, unfortunately, Toto can't run for the governor of Kansas anymore. That's really a drag. Now, there are no requirements to run for office in most uh, most states. You just file, and they don't check to see who it is. It's crazy. I mean, for example, the one requirement or the two requirements to run for president, you have to be 35 years old, and uh, you have to be a naturalized, you have to be a native-born American. That's it. And you can be the president of the United States. Now, do you have to be a lawyer to sit on courts? Well, yes. Those are one of the requirements. Except there's two different kinds of courts that you don't need to be a lawyer. Uh, One is these sort of circuit courts, judicial... We're not talking about circuit courts as in appeals courts or district circuit courts. We're talking about like small villages, uh, that sort of thing, small towns... And uh, they're allowed to have sort of a quasi-judge. Okay, they're allowed to make decisions. And in certain, cer- certain cases, they, are, they can be, those decisions can be upheld. Very, very unusual. The other one that you may know more about is you don't have to be a judge to sit on the Supreme Court. 
You don't have to be a judge. Matter of fact, the last time there wasn't a judge, if I'm thinking, if, if history, if history, if I get this right, uh, Earl Warren of the Warren Court, he was uh, a prosecutor, he was governor of California, and then he sat on the Supreme Court. And I don't know whether he was ever a judge. But in any case, uh, going back to the story, oh, did I go off on a tangent? Oh, what a shocker, because I never go off on tangents. So uh, there is a dog named Angus P. Woolley who uh, was uh, entered in for the governor's race for Texas or for Kansas. And finally, a dog was denied the chance. Taryn Woolley, who owns uh, Angus, said, let me tell you, my three-year-old has the leadership qualities needed to make it in the dog-eat-dog world of politics. And he filled all the necessary paperwork for him to run. And his platform was going to be free chuck it balls for life. And he was not allowed to run. This is the first time that an animal was told no. Because, you know, for president, for example, you know, Mickey Mouse. People run for Mickey. From Mickey and it's crazy people run for president. Because what does it take? $300 and you file and you're done. So in Kansas, uh, they said no and the owner said, oh, no, 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 you can't do that. And they came up with some laws that uh, somehow interpreted. But you're going to see in Kansas only people can run for governor. Go figure that one out, right? All right, let's go to some phone calls. Hello, Mike. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Oh, thanks, Bill. Hello? Yes, I'm listening. Hey, well, I'll, I'll make it short and sweet. Um, my son was jumped at school. Uh, now, the the school... The administration and the RO officer, which is the officer that, that works the school, were told the day before that my son was going to get jumped. They were and told they the day that, they told the day before that specifically your son was going to be jumped. Yes. His they somebody gave his name to the school administration and the RO that he was going to be jumped. Well, during lunch my son was jumped the next day. Uh, what happened is he got a text from his friend saying, hey, somebody's looking for you. He went out to the lunch quad, and he was jumped. By how many kids? Uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a group of like five kids, but one kid did all the, all the hitting. Okay, and how badly, how badly was your son injured? Uh, well, he ended up getting a slight concussion, contusions all over the back of his head, and... Uh, Bruised hip. Uh, now the thing happened. What happened is nobody told us. They didn't bring my son into the nurses' station. They didn't call us and let us know. How me and my wife found out about it is my wife's always on social media, right. kind of looking at my son's right. stuff. So what happened? I'm a little confused here. Your son then goes into the nurse's office where he is treated. No. He, what do they do? No. Just said, did he just say go back to school? Go back to class? Yeah, they just he went back to class. I mean, all and, ba- uh, all ba- all banged up and bleeding. Uh, he wasn't he wasn't bleeding. He was sore from he hit his head on some pipes and stuff like that. Well, why didn't he call you? Uh, he because he was in class. We ended up finding out. We called him and then we grabbed him out of school. Right, of course he did. But why called. didn't why didn't he call you? What did he go in and make a complaint? Did he say that's the kid who jumped me? Did he say any of that? No, there was videos. 
Okay, so I, but I don't understand. He just went back to class and is all banged up. And so then you find out about it, and you yanked him out of school. So what's your question? Right. Uh, is, uh, the school never told us about it. All right, so to this uh, day, so to this day, it, it's like it didn't happen, you're, you're, and your son, you pulled your son out of school. Where's he going to school? Another high school? No, we didn't, we didn't pull our son out of school. We took him out for the day take him to the hospital to get him checked. All right, so what's, uh, now, so, what, so what's your question? Well, we confronted the school, and we confronted the RO officer, and they admitted to us that they did know that he was right, going what, to be jumped. What is your question? Uh, is there anything we can do about yes, it? Yes, yes, there is, finally. Yes, you can sue the school and the school board because they knew and your son was injured. Uh, also, uh, call the police against the kids who were involved. I'm surprised you haven't done we yet. We did. We did file. Okay. And what? And what? The police have done anything? Are they investigating? Uh, yes, they're investigating. Okay. They're talking to the RO. Got it. So that's going through fine. And so you want to make a, a complaint to? Well, you want to sue the school board and the school for any damages. And your kid had to go to you know, the concussion. I mean, you know, thank God that uh, he. Uh, wasn't seriously injured, uh, and on behalf of lawyers out there, that's a shame. He wasn't seriously injured. It doesn't look like a right. huge. It doesn't look like a huge case. But I would certainly talk to a personal injury lawyer. I mean, instantly, you have to file a, a claim within six months before you file a lawsuit, and because uh, you have to let them know. There's a bunch of rules about that. And uh, playing with a school district. Yeah. Now you and you want to make a. Yeah. I want to go to. I go to a lawyer at, at this point. And uh, see if there's any money for the injuries. And then you have to go to the school district. You have to make a complaint. You have to cite the school. You have to just tell the story and demand they do something about it. That's all you can do. Okay. All right? Now, what happened is my son was actually suspended for conduct. Your son was suspended, not the guy who beat him up? No, the parents pulled him out of school. Okay. I'm, all right. Uh, you know what? We're going into this a story. And by the yeah, and in the end, my kid was suspended. It goes on and on and on. Sorry about that. I, I just don't have time to go through all of it. This is Handle on the Law. KFI. Handle here on a Saturday morning. 800-520-1KFI. 800-520-1534. This is Handle on the Law. Take some, let's take some uh, phone calls. Hey, Brett. Hey, uh, Bill. Yeah, Bill. Okay. What's the, uh, what are my legal rights? I live in a mobile home park, and basically right now I'm renting, but management uh, and the owners want to do a lease here. What, what, what's the difference between renting and leasing? Well, it's the same. Uh, it's just one is a written agreement about the rent uh, that lists uh, what you have to do, what they have to do, and this is the amount of money you're going to pay. And uh, what it is is simply a written agreement about where you're going to live and how long you're there. Now, uh, the problem with mobile home parks when uh, they leave, uh, what do you do with it? What do you do with your mobile home? Because it takes it's cost thousands of dollars to move it, and some can't even be moved. Uh, the lease, uh, I'm surprised you don't have a lease, but uh, it, what are they asking for in the lease? Okay, so in the lease, it's a 10-year lease. Oh, good. Yeah, and so it's, you know, it's longer. And then once the lease, let's say the, uh, the the verbiage on the lease, will it be like, this is good for 10 years, you're only going to pay so much, yep. and it's locked in for 10 years? That's correct. Okay, I needed to know that. Yep, if, if, they, if they lock it in, right. uh, because they may say, we're not locking it in, uh, we are going to give a, a 5% increase or a 10% increase per year automatically. 
I mean, that's what happens. Uh, I have a, a lease at my office, and it's an automatic increase of, uh, I don't know, 5%, 4%. And, and it doesn't matter. Inflation uh, goes up, down. I ha- it's a fixed amount of money. That if you if they'll give you a ten year lease for a fixed amount of money, you know what the increases are. That's normally what happens. Right. That's what you want. Right. Right. And then you said also something earlier in the show that you know let's say let's say they want to evict people. Um, uh, it's it takes a longer time. It's like ninety days. Well, it's, uh, so I think it's a little different. The rules for a, a mobile, home, mobile home, yeah. Uh, yeah. And they rarely evict people. I mean, rarely. If you live uh, within the terms of the lease and you want a ten year lease. Uh, and they're and it's not unreasonable what they're asking for. Uh, then you just sign the damn thing. Okay, so I live in a, okay. I live in Harbor City. I don't know where what's that the, is. Okay, but what's the difference between an incorporated and incorporated? Right, that's a, a city because uh, an un, unincorporated city really is just part of the county. It's not its own municipality. A city is its own municipality, where right. it has its uh, usually its own mayor and it has various rules. The unincorporated uh, part is. Uh, it's it's really not a city. I mean, you know, they call it a city, and it's the county uh, laws that apply all right, across so, the board. Right. So the county laws apply for you know, for, right. Like you say, yeah, it's and, county and state law that applies, not city laws. Right. Because mobile home parks are their jurisdictions a lot different. Than, That's right. So what's your question? Okay. So then my last question is this. Okay, because I know you got other callers. Um, you say sign the lease, but the thing is, this is my last question. It's got to be voted on by five hundred and sixty people. What? So, uh, the lease has to be voted on by five hundred and sixty? Yes, because it's a mobile home park. So people cool. don't want it. Doesn't. Wait a minute. Uh, it's a lease between you and the owner of the park. It has nothing to do with five hundred and sixty people. Right, but the, but okay, it's uh, between me and the owners. Right, but the, but the owners are saying it's they want to put a vote on it. They can because, they can do whatever they want. Yeah. So yeah. okay, so they put a vote as part of the lease. Says uh, we're all going to take a vote as to this provision or whether uh, we even want you. Uh, if the owner wants to give the the if the owner wants to give the rights to five hundred and sixty people, he has every right to do that. It's his property. Right, it's his property, and so like you say, usually a vote if it's fifty fifty one percent. How, what's the structure? It, it, can be, it can be anything that uh, the owner wants. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Uh, I mean, we're done. All right. Uh, Gilbert. Hi, Gilbert. Yes, uh, yes sir. Uh, I, I have a, <clears throat> a spousal agreement with my ex-wife. I got to pay her $300 a month. And I didn't, <clears throat> I didn't think that I was going to have to retire early because of health reasons. And how would I go about, Bill, just like, Getting it oh, that's easy. That's easy. That's easy. Uh, you, it's, it's a change of circumstances, and you simply file. Uh, it's effectively a lawsuit, but it's not. You just, if you, you're filing uh, a motion in front of the court, uh, at, uh, the family law court, and you're simply asking for a reduction of uh, the spousal support, and maybe to zero, depending on the money that's now coming in, and uh, you give the reasons, and you show up in court and make the argument. And I'm sure, based under your based on your circumstances, I think the judge is going to grant it. So you could probably do it yourself, but maybe you need a family law attorney. Uh, uh, yeah, I would do it with a family law attorney. And there are tons of them out there that help uh, folks that are indigent or disabled. You'll find an organization or two out there. I have to do some research. But the bottom line is, yes, uh, you can go to court as uh, based on change of circumstances, and yes. The court will hear it, and in your case, uh, based on what you said, disability, early retirement, yes, I think you're going to win on that one. All right, in a very dirty twist on identity tax fraud, uh, fraud, here's what these tax, uh, these uh, hacking 
cockroaches do. They go to tax preparation firms, they hack them, and then they file phony refunds. At the one that, hopefully not the one that you're at, but if it is, uh, you can be screwed. And then once the IRS deposits money into the hacked, quote, clients' bank accounts, the crooks then contact you because the money is already in and say, oops, wrong money. You have to you have to return it. And they give you your collection. They're a collection agency. They know exactly how much they gave you. They know or the IRS gave you. They have all the information. And now they want their money back. And people fall for it. There are so many threats in today's connected world. It's crazy. It just takes one week link. So how do you deal with this? Well, let me tell you about uh, LifeLock. I've been a customer for so many years. LifeLock is identity theft protection. It has now added the power of Norton Security to help protect you against threats to your identity, your devices. I mean, all of it. And it's so easy today. You, you can't do this without protection. It's like having sex. You can't do it without protection, right? And if there is a problem with your identity, LifeLock comes in and have agents who actually work to fix it. Now, no one can stop every cyber threat, prevent all identity theft, monitor every transaction at every business. However... LifeLock with a new Norton Security combined, best thing out there in my opinion. So, as I said, I've been a customer for years. I'm going to suggest you suggest you go to LifeLock.com, and you'll get 10% off the first year if you lose a pro, if you use the promo code Handle. Go uh, to LifeLock.com promo code Handle, or call 800 LifeLock promo code Handle 800 LifeLock promo code Handle. This is Handle on the Law. Saturday morning, 800-520-1KFI, 800-520-1534. Back we go. More handle on the law, marginal legal advice. Hi, Mary. You're up. Welcome. Hi, Bill. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Um, Two things. My parents have been married for 50 years. Uh, My dad has dementia. My mom's the sole caregiver and in no hurry to get him into a nursing home. We went and saw an elder lawyer to see if we can get what little assets they, um, he has into her name so he, we could get him to qualify for Medicaid for when he does have to go into a nursing home. The day they show up, the lawyer was dead, and so they went to a different lawyer. The, the, they show, the lawyer was dead? Like in the yes. cor- in, like in the courtroom, dead or had well, died someplace else. Had had died someplace. Else. Oh, that's not nearly as entertaining as it could be. But okay, I know, no, I know. I, could I, be I better. All right. So the <laughs> lawyer had died, and you went to another lawyer. Right, and she told my parents that um, she doesn't know why he was doing this because he couldn't do it in the city of Menifee anyway, and they had given him six thousand dollars. Do can we go to small claims court to try to get that money back? From the lawyer. From the dead lawyer, yes. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Is, it, is, it, is he an individual lawyer or is he part of a law firm? Uh, it was an individual lawyer. Yeah, you, you sue the estate to see if there is an estate. Uh, okay. You have to find out if uh, a, a, will had, uh, a will had been uh, filed uh, or probated. There was a will there. That's a public document. You can find out. And, there's, and there is an executor and you make a claim. If it was everything he owned was in a trust, you're never going to find out. So my guess is you probably lost that money uh, because okay. you're, going, yeah, you're going after a dead lawyer. And it's um, it's even live lawyers are difficult uh, to get money from. <laughs> dead lawyers are a lot more difficult to get money from. 
they don't they don't talk much. You know, they don't appear in court. But <laughs> yeah, still finding the money is is tough. So and any uh, anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Well, and then my other thing is any way to um, get him qualified for Medicaid. Yeah, and I don't. Um, I, yeah, there, a- I, there are people that specialize in this. I don't know the answer on how you do it uh, because you have yeah. to be very careful in terms of assets, getting rid of assets to qualify for a government program. Effectively, that's defrauding a creditor. Right. Uh, it's it, it, on its face. However, there may be some exclusions. I have heard of exclusions where you're allowed to do it if you do it this way or that way. And uh, you have to find a lawyer who specializes in this. Well, we thought we did. Well, uh, he's now dead. So you have, to, you have to find another one. So do you have the other lawyer yet in place? Um, they They went and saw her and she said, you can do it in some cities, but they live in the city, of course, that you can't. And, you know, I, I, don't know, I don't know what the city has to do with it, because you're talking yeah. about it's, this is a governmental program. It's not a municipal program. It's a state program uh, and uh, certainly a federal program. Well, federal, uh, it doesn't matter. Federal, they get all the benefits. But the state program is, uh, is a very different thing. You have to find someone who is an expert. That's the research you're going to have to do. Right. All right. That's uh, a tough way to go. You know, my uh, my dad uh, when he died, uh, it was just I just was a signatory to all the uh, all the bank accounts. Everything well, they don't have much anymore. And then my mom goes into a nursing home and she's truly demented. So we made sure that I was a signatory on all the checks, uh, on all every account, everything that happened. So that becomes easy. So there's going to be no will. There's going to be no probate. There's no trust. I mean, there's nothing. It's just I get to sign on everything and it works. All right, Nikki. Hi, Nikki. Welcome. Hey, Bill. Yes, ma'am. So last year, I got behind on some of my HOA dues. So I called the HOA and wanted to see if they would work with me on some of the late fees, and then I would just pay it off completely and get caught up. Uh, They told me they had already sent it to the attorney, so they wouldn't talk to me. I would have to call the attorneys. So I did, um, and they told me they had just mailed me something, but I was still in pre-lean, so I could make a proposal to the board. Um, you know, try to get it worked out, and they wouldn't move forward with any liens until the board had made a decision. So I did that. Uh, the attorney told me it would take several months, but once I finally got a response, you know, he would reach out to me and let me know. So three months later, I got something in the mail saying that they had put a lien on my property, even though I hadn't heard anything back from the board or the attorneys. So when I called the attorney back, I found out that he's no longer with that firm. Um, so I had to ask the new attorney why they had moved forward with the lien, even though I was told they wouldn't until we got a response. The new attorney told me it was a statutory requirement, um, and he didn't know why the original attorney had told me that they wouldn't move forward. Wait, wait, it's not, a, it's not a statutory requirement. The board can make whatever deal it wants, and there's nothing, there's no statute that says they have to put a lien on the property. No, there's a statute that says they can put a lien on the property if you're in arrears. However, uh, you're doing everything you can. I'm assuming you have emails. I'm assuming you're trying to set a payment plan. I mean, they're, they're, nobody is ever going yeah. to. Yeah, that, believe me, that they're, they're never going to do anything with a lien, uh, except it's now on the books. And what you're doing yeah. is just, it's a question of just paying off your dues. Once you've paid everything off, they have to remove the lien. Otherwise, you get one, you have one hell of a lawsuit against the HOA. How much in arrears well, are you? And- Go ahead. Well, originally it was about 50, just over $1,500. How much so is it? It wasn't too bad, and that was some of the late fees and stuff. Yeah, how much is it now? Just, well, now, because I kind of actually question if the original attorney even sent in the proposal. 
um, before he left. I don't know what those circumstances were. Because after three months, I heard nothing, and were, then I get this lien notice. Got it. Were you, pay, were, you paying, were you paying money? Were you paying the HOA dues at the time? Um, I was paying, yes. Okay. Here's Theoretically, the... though, I was making some, and then I couldn't make some. Okay. But my fees now have, like, tripled because now they want to charge me additional time. Yeah, no, I get it. No, I, here's what you have to do. No, I know. I know. They're all kind of late fees and crazy fees. And the other thing that happens is when you send the money, they apply it to the late fees. They don't apply it to this month. So uh, effectively, you've not paid this month. What you've done is pay some of the late fees. Or you've done uh, uh, three months ago, five months ago, you just paid that. So you're kind of screwed on that. Uh, I think you have to get an. I think you have to get an attorney, uh, and uh, a low cost attorney, uh, or look at the law. Because in the end, I think what they're doing is I don't know why uh, they've chosen you to do this, or they do this with everybody in uh, the community. How big a community is it? Um, it's a condo complex. There's probably a couple hundred units. Yeah, something's going on, and you've got to go to a board meeting, and you have to say, hey, what's going on? This is this is crazy. Lay it all out. Here are uh, the proposals that I made. I, I, I don't understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so they, be a real estate attorney? No, nah, at this point, you know what? First, go. have you gone to the board? Have you sat down at a board meeting and asked to talk no. to the board? Do that. Ask to talk to the entire okay. board and say, hey, guys, what are you doing? Do you okay. are you really doing this to me, and why? And okay. I think, and if you have any decent people on the board, it'll be straightened out right there. Okay. All right. And you know, I've been there ten years, and before last year, I never had a late. Fee. All right, that's part of it. That's or, part of so it. Hopefully, that'll work. In yeah, my favor. that's part of the argument. You go, yes, yeah. that's you. You bring that up. If I'm on the board, and I'm looking at you know this poor gal who had some financial difficulties and doing everything she can to make it right, and our attorney put a lien, and we wouldn't accept the payments. Yeah, I think you're okay. I, I, that's what I would do. Throw yourself on the mercy of the court. In this case, the court being uh, the board of the HOA. This is Handle on the Law. Handle here on a uh, Saturday morning, right up until 11 o'clock. 800-520-1-KFI. 800-520-1534. And we do have lines open. All right, Mark. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello. Yes, sir. Um, I, my friend works for a development company down in L.A., and he asked me to help him clean up one of their properties. He works in Loma Linda as a parking attendant, but there's a vacant Lowe's in Apple Valley. So he asked me to help him clean it, and uh, he said we never got paid. He says he never got paid. Right. Okay, and he's the one that, and he's the one that hired you. Right. Now, I've looked at the small claim stuff. I really can't. He told me to go after his boss, but I never had a conversation with him. He would right. never let me contact okay. him. Okay. So here's, uh, here is my uh, my advice to you. Number one, you have to go to small claims court, obviously. you got to have to get a judgment against these people. How much money are we talking about here? Uh, well, I'm going to charge him $1,400. Uh, do you have an agree? Is it a verbal agreement? Yeah, the verbal agreement that he said he got from the boss was $100 a day per man. It originally started out to be four guys, but the other guys didn't show up. All right. So how do you get fourteen hundred? Well, because I went up there eleven days, so that's eleven hundred. I paid for a a chainsaw out of my own pocket. Got it. Got it. And I thought I would charge him two fifty for gas right. and so, a- aggravation. Right. Uh, yeah. The, the doesn't matter. The, the aggravation part you're not going to get. That's just yeah, not going to happen. 
Uh, will he will, will he testify and agree that that is what happened? That you this is the agreement we made. Uh, this is what uh, the company allowed me to do. Wanted me to clean it up. Uh, will he testify to all of that, or is he going to say I don't know what you're talking about? Well, I already sent him a letter of demand payment because they want you. To I get do it. Has he, what has he responded? Oh, well, he sent the letters back and said he might sue me for the plumbing job I did for him. All right, so this is going to be a tough one. And he one. says he has no money. He says he has no money. I understand. I helped, him, I, but... I helped him hire another lawyer and get two fifty off the money that he owes that was being garnished from. Wait, the you, you hired a, you hired a lawyer to get two hundred and fifty dollars off something? Yeah, because he's got. How much did you pay? How payment? much did you? How much did you pay the lawyer? No, well, he paid it out of his pocket. I just used my credit cards. That's all he handled, though. Okay. But he's trying to tell me he doesn't have money, but I had already helped him get. Rid of $250 All right. you, from his Social Security. All right. uh, that's, uh, none of this makes sense. Uh, you, you, hot, you, you sue him and you sue the company because you're going to argue that he is an agent of the company. Okay. All right. You sue both. All right. Well, I told the I told the owner. I sent them a letter. I said, "Look, this is a letter of advisement. If you let me know how much you paid them and when, because one of the fellows I spoke to, who's in the real estate department, he said if anyone works for that company, they get paid." All right. Uh, well, it's a letter of advisement means nothing. It's you yeah. sue both the company and your buddy. Or so all- I have to send him a subpoena. I know you sue him. No, it's not a subpoena. It's a lawsuit. You go to small That's claims cool. court. And you uh, have someone hand him the document, the lawsuit, right there. And there's right, a, so now do I have to send the form to the company? And you sue the company the also. You sue the company. Okay. And you either have the right. marshal sue it or you have a friend sue it. You can't, you can't actually, or marshal serve it. You can't actually do that. Right. They, All right. The small claim said you could serve subpoenas, but you can't serve the actual Right. Claim. You, you yeah. need uh, someone or the marshals to hand it to that person, pers- in person, right there. You're being sued. Oh, yes. All right, Andrew. Hi, Andrew. You're up. Welcome. Yes, Mr. Handel. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm, I'm on this temporary state disability with the state of California waiting for back, insurance, uh, back surgery. And uh, the way they figure that out is they take uh, the amount of money they say your earnings for a certain quarter before you filed your disability. And uh, my pay stub ends at the end of the month says I made 20000 But when... The, comes back, they say, oh, your reported income is only 10000 And I said, well, they don't look at your pay stuff. They just look at what you were paid during that period, well, even I, though you well, might have earned. Okay, so uh, you, 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 they go to the employer and look at the amount of money that was paid, correct? Yeah, they ask your employer okay. or whatever the payroll company was to report to them how much money you uh, what was your earnings during uh, this period that ends on the 30th of okay. this month or whatever? And they say, oh, it was 11000 uh, when in actuality I earned 20000 But um, And the pay stub that ends on that 30th shows 20000 However, uh, the paycheck didn't come in till like six days later, you know, the, yeah. on the sixth so, day of the following month. All right, I'm a little, confu- so they, they I'm a little, I'm a little confused. So where are we going with this? Well, what I'm going with this is, uh, I they use a they I, I appealed and they sent back uh, something uh, that cited okay this section and this section. One section is the definitions of whatever their income is definition. The next section is a precedent from a case in 1946. Okay, why? Well, so what what are you asking? Well, I'm wondering uh, 
what what your thoughts were on that because my you know the actual yeah, no, I get it. No, and, and good question. Here are my thoughts. I don't have the foggiest notion. I mean <laughs> zero. So yeah. thank you so much for calling. It's a wonderful thing for this show. Because if I don't get a I don't have the foggiest notion question, then I get really disappointed. All right. I'm a big fan of Simply Safe Home Security. A big fan. Simply Face is Simply Safe is prepared prepared for anything get thrown at it. If a storm takes out your power, Simply Safe is still there protecting your home. An intruder cuts your phone line, Simply Safe is ready. So let's say they destroy your keypad or the siren, Simply Safe still gets you the help you need. All right, that may be overkill, but that's the philosophy of this company. So maybe you don't need to be ready for every worst case scenario, but all of that is what makes Simply Safe's home security system so great. It's always ready. It's so reasonably priced. You install it. It takes half an hour to install it in the home. Uh, It's extraordinary. And they only charge you what's fair. Boy, they do not cost you an arm and a leg. 24-7 professional security monitoring, $14.99 a month. No contracts. No hidden fees. So obviously I've been recommending Simply Safe to everyone I know. And of course, I put a Simply Safe system in my daughter's house. Go to simplysafehandle.com. SimplySafeHandle.com to protect your home and your family. SimplySafeHandle.com. This is Handle on the Law. A Saturday morning, right up until 11 o'clock, where Leo Laporte comes aboard, and then at 2 o'clock, Neil Saavedra with uh, the Fork Report. I think it's next Saturday at uh, Knott's Berry Farm, the Boys and Berry Festival. I will be there. Can't wait for that one. That goes on for a couple weeks. Do you know that Boys and Berries were invented by the Knott people? He came up with it. Got his first name, Walter Fred Beulah, whatever the hell his name is. Uh, but he invented the boysenberry. And it started as a little boysenberry, uh, just a stand, selling fruit. And then it became, well, Knott's Berry Farm. All right. Uh, this is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice where I tell you, you can, you have absolutely no case. And unfortunately, you know, lately there's been a lot of, you do have cases. So we have to... Uh, you know, I, I want to limit it to very few of those because it really is much more fun when I tell you you have no case. Now, one of the I, I get calls like this all the time. Uh, the bank made a mistake. Uh, the company made a mistake, and instead of paying me a hundred dollars, uh, I was paid a thousand dollars because uh, a mistake was made on the decimal. And gee, do I get to keep the money? And I say, no, no. How can you keep the money? You know, people are allowed to make mistakes. So there is a great story out of uh, Kansas. Uh, There is a woman who is being sued by the Central National Bank in Wichita because uh, she went to the ATM and asks for five bucks. And the ATM instead spits out $100, even though it prints out it's $5. And she realizes this is a good thing. And over the next uh, five days, makes 50 withdrawals. 
several of which were done in the middle of the night. The bank would like the $11,000 back that she took. And uh, the bank claims that instead of the $1,400 that she should have received in all the withdrawals that she made, uh, she actually was given $14,000. And she is claiming uh, she did nothing wrong. Uh, that I never received those $100 bills, and here are my receipts as proof of it. Because they printed out the $5 receipts. And the bank says, uh, yeah, but that's part of the screw-up that we have, and we can prove it. And you shouldn't be able to get all this money. And by the way, why are you going to the bank 50 times and pulling out $5 bills every time? Who the hell goes an ATM and goes $5, $5, $5, $5? And she said, and I love uh, my dog ate the homework stories. They're always great. And I, this, this is a very good, my dog ate the homework story. She wanted a large number of $5 bills to create a money cake as a gift for a friend. What's friend's name? Well, I really don't know. But I want to do, I want to make a money cake. Uh, well, that is the lawsuit that's coming. I can't wait for the judge to hear this one, right? Yeah, well, yeah, money cake, uh, yeah, no, nothing wrong. And, uh, yeah, here's the proof, $5 bills, I mean, $5 transaction receipts. Yeah, good for her. All right, uh, let's go with some uh, phone calls here. Uh, Jack, let's go to you. Hello, Jack. Welcome. Uh, hi, Bill. Yes, sir. Um, I have a question. Uh, my house burned down roughly two years ago. Oh, congratulations. And, uh, <laughs> well, uh, I want to know what the statute of limitation is so I can sue the contractors because they really, they really uh, blanked up the house. And, okay, so now can you can Okay, hold on a minute. Uh, is, okay. can, is there a connection between the contractor and the house burning down? Um, I hope not. <laughs> no, no, no. You'd have to make that connection. No, we 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 hired we hired them and uh, to to uh, fix the fix the burned out house and then instead of going with the insurance because they came over and bombarded my sister I wasn't there I was in the hospital because I got burned so wow you got burned because of that fire yeah the, I guess a can of foam blew up in my room so you know the the, the, the spray foam that expands so I got burns on my face and on my arm but, wow you know, and, and right. hold on a minute and uh, the uh, they left that can of foam. Uh, while they were doing repairs to the house, no, no, that that, that was ours. But this was uh, after the. After okay, the so fire. what do you what do you want to sue the contractor for? Well, they they fixed the house after after it burned down. Okay, or if you could call it fixing. All right, so they just did a bad job of repairing the house. Right, got yeah. it. So it's just a straight uh, contractor did a bad job, is what you're saying. Yeah, and we had to live on the money in a, in another house uh, while, they, while they were doing while they were fixing a house. It took them almost two years. So I want to know what the statute limitation. Well, how is, much? So of, can... Wait, wait. You're fine within the statute, but I'm a little curious as to did the insurance pay you to, to fix? Did they pay the money that it cost to live two years uh, in another home? Uh, well, they they paid like for us to live in a hotel for a couple months, but uh, and and the con- the uh, insurance was paying our rent for a while, but uh, then they stopped paying the rent. And it took and, two years. Uh, to, it took two years to repair the house. Yes. And you chose the contractor. Yeah, uh, we didn't know we didn't have to, but. Uh, 
Hey, that's it. That's why you. That's why you always choose the contractor that the insurance company recommends. Always. Right. Because there, if you have a problem, you call the insurance company and you say, "Hey, this guy's screwing up." All right. So, right. what do you want to sue him for? For what? The two um, years. The two years that you were in another house. Um, basically, you know, because we, we had to live on, on some of the insurance funds, and uh, and, and they, they really botched the house. Uh, wait a sec. Uh, Didn't the insurance company pay for the house to be fixed, or you went, or uh, you went past that money and you had to spend more money? Right. All right. I'm confused. Yeah. Go. Yeah. You're within the statute. I just I don't understand what happened there at all. I mean, not even uh, a little bit. Michael. Hi, Michael. You're up. Welcome. Hello, Mr. Handel. Yes, sir. Okay, I think. I paid for my girlfriend's nursing school. I worked two jobs while I was doing it. Um, every time I gave her money, we noted it. She initialed. She said she was fine with it. When the total, when she was coming close to end of school, we wrote a total, what she owed me. Um, she signed it. And then once uh, things started getting a little rocky, I went out of town for work, and she packed up all of her stuff and left. How, and much, how much did she owe you? 103000 There's your lawsuit. Okay. Um, okay, and you have the proof. I have the proof. Yep. I have everything. And uh, what I wrote in the contract was, if this goes into court, um, you pay attorney fees. Yeah, that's good. You pay, that's good. You pay everything. Um, yep. Also, if payment isn't received, all your checks go into my bank account, and I will give you an allowance of money that you I, I don't know if that's enforceable. All her checks go into your bank account? No, I don't think that's going to be enforceable. But you're no. going to get a judgment against her. And you'll be able to uh, attach her wages to an extent that you can by law. I mean, no one okay. is going to uphold. Uh, you get all her money, and then you put her on an allowance. That's not going to fly. But no. the fact that she owes you this much money, and you put her no. through, and you have a written agreement, that's where you yeah. saved your ass. Because a lot of people just pay, 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 and then they break up. And uh, guess what? Uh, done. Thank you very much. You're off and running. And the fo- the point is, you have the proof. Matter of fact, there was a case, I remember, where there was no written agreement and the court still upheld it. Where okay. the argument was, uh, you love me and you're paying for it and thank you and now we're breaking up. It becomes a gift and gifts cannot be sued. You, you can't sue for a gift return. You have the proof that it's not. Hire a lawyer uh, because okay. now you have attorney's fees and she'll be paying you for a while. And the okay, only thing, also, go ahead. Also, she has a spending problem. And I also, before she did her final signature or initial, I put there would be no lavish spending. No, no it doesn't matter. That's like, yeah, yeah, no one can define what lavish spending is. You know, you're okay, going to walk into court. Lavish spending for me is very different than lavish spending for you. Okay, I just, I want to make sure I get the money that Yeah, yeah, you, you're going to get, a, you're going to get a judgment for a hundred and something thousand dollars and attorney's fees. That's what you're going to get. And then it's up to you to collect it. You can attach wages. You can do. There are a million different ways of dealing with it. This is Handle on the Law. AM640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. Uh, pleasure having you here. 
And this is Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Hello, Ryan. Uh, welcome to Handle on the Law. What can I do for you? Hey, Bill. About four years ago, I got a retail credit card. And uh, just recently, they switched uh, companies from HSBC to City, which is fine. I still have the card, but now it looks like a brand-new card on my credit report, and I've gotten hit on my number of on-time payments and my open age of credit. Yeah, I know. They, they do that. So um, I, there's no legal recourse here, Ryan. Uh, yeah, that's, I figured there was no legal recourse. But you know what? You can dispute it. You can go to the credit card company. And uh, if nothing else, uh, regarding that one card, I mean, they have to they have to let you make comments on any issue. So you can simply on that one card issue, simply say uh, they switch cards on me. But the problem is, Ryan, that no one bothers to look at that stuff. All they look is FICO scores. Right. So if you've got a drop of 30 points on your FICO score because of it. And you know for a fact that had you not had that drop, you would have qualified for the credit. You just call someone and go, hey, guys, look at my credit report. You'll see what's going on with that. And this was me paying my bills, but through some technical shift, I got nailed. And I think that's all you can do is make a phone call and throw yourself on the mercy of the court. The credit card uh, folks have you by the gonads. There's no way around it. Yeah, Yeah, I know. Isn't that fun to hear? Yeah, yeah, I know. God bless all of them, right? Hey, Dan. Hi, how are you? I'm good. What can I do for you? Well, I had a uh, a, a case with uh, Chase Bank uh, several years ago, and uh, they uh, – oh, shoot. Oh, honey. What is, what is going on? I'm trying to let my wife in the back door. Oh, I thought it sounded like you were having sex with your wife. And uh, I was about to, well, that was last night. It was anyways, going to be uh, listen, how long you've been? Wait a second, how long you've been married, Dan? Twenty-five years. And you still have sex with your wife? Well, yeah, every once in a while, I might be stretching it just a little bit. Yeah, but, uh, hey. Wow. Okay. Anyway, uh, Bill, what it is is uh, I had a uh, an account with Chase, and uh, they. Uh, well, I went out on disability, and I had insurance. So uh, what happened was uh, uh, I had to get letters signed by my doctor at the VA, and uh, which he did, but they got it about a month late, so they dishonored my insurance, and they uh, sued me. So I hired wait a lawyer. They sued, wait a second, they sued you for what they paid you, I'm assuming, right? Uh, no, for the continuing payments. There was still like another four grand owed on the right, but what did, uh, what did the they account. sue? But what did they sue you for? Uh, well, I, I would have to look at the paper again if I could find it. Yeah, and, I uh, doubt. You know what? I, that doesn't make a lot of sense that they're suing you. I mean, it makes sense that they just simply stopped the payments or they're suing uh, well, or they're uh, suing you for payments they've uh, that they've already paid you that they think they shouldn't have paid you. It, it, what it was was Chase had sold the account to a second collector. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, well, the, then uh, uh, what happened was uh, I hired a, an attorney, and the attorney has since gone out of business, and he's got all of my original paperwork. And they said, well, if you want your original paperwork, uh, fill out this form releasing that lawyer from uh, from all uh, – uh, to do's about the case. No, all you and can do is wait. Original all you can do is substitute him out. 
He has a right. Attorney. It doesn't matter. Substitute him out for you, and then you can hire okay. another attorney. In other words, uh, he, you sign no harm, no foul. What you don't want to do is say that he has no further liability. That okay. you don't want to do. But an attorney. Well, that's what they're asking me to do. No, you say no. You say okay. absolutely not. I will substitute you out, and if they say they will not release the file. Uh-huh. Unless you release them of liability, go. That's a state bar complaint right now. Okay, that's well, a, that's... that is a state bar complaint because that's pure extortion. Yeah, because you know uh, he didn't do fifteen hundred dollars. Doesn't matter. I get it. I get it. You can also money, but... you can also sue him in small claims court for your fifteen hundred dollars. But okay, it doesn't I'm matter. That's after I'm you get the file. About what Chase is going to do to me now? Well, you got to hire a lawyer. I see. Yeah. Okay. More money out of pocket. Well, uh, except you're going to sue him for fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah, okay. That's one. And you're going to substitute him out and put yourself in as the attorney, and then you can hire an attorney, and then, and then, you, then the attorney substitutes himself in. You don't want to okay. – you want to do it in two separate actions. All right. Sounds like a winner. All right. You got it. Onward. Actually, it sounds like a loser, but that's what he should do. Lawyers. God, I hate lawyers. Lawyers – I haven't decided decided where lawyers are on the food chain. They're somewhere between curable and incurable lepers. There's no, they're just not. Uh, if my daughters wanted to be lawyers, I'd kill them. I'd go. You know what? You don't want to be a lawyer. Well, how about be a hooker? I'd rather have you on the street than be a lawyer. It's more honest work. This is Handle on the Law. She's a California river and a diaper. Hourglass body like a guitar. If that river wants to start, appears like a little bomb in the atmosphere. I slapped on her like a movie. I think I've seen a pair of Gucci. Can't blame them if they want her like I do. I'd be jealous too if she was with you. I'd be out my mind watching her move. If I was just the guy with the cross the room view, I'd be jealous too if she was with you. Welcome back to uh, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handle here. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. All right, Sita, or is that Seda? Seda. Seda. That was close. All right, what can I do for you, young lady? All right, here's, here's the deal. I was living in Texas last year. In August, I needed a car desperately. I had crappy credit, so um, I went online, and a dealership picked me up and said, come on over, I can help. I sat there all day. They went through the whole spiel. They they tried to dump me off with these cars that had 80,000, 90,000 miles on it. Finally, they got me a loan car that had 3,000 miles on it, and they said, come back in three days, and it's yours. So they did the paperwork. Everything was supposedly copacetic. I, like an idiot, trusted them because they looked like Opie and your next-door neighbor, and they were Texans, and I believed them. So I signed, initial signed the contract, and nothing else. I leave. I'm wondering where my paperwork is, where's my place. They tell me, you got to go back to the dealer. Two months later, I go back, I get my place, and I said, where's all the paperwork? I need copies. Oh, here's the copies. So I moved back to Cali. I'm here. I decide to go see if I could refi or maybe dump this car off because I really didn't dig it. But um, I went to a Volkswagen dealership, and this nice general manager sat down with me and reviewed all my paperwork and said, hey, 
you know you have extended warranty on this thing? And I said, no, never asked for that. And he goes, well, you have it. And how about this? You have gap insurance also. I said, I never asked for that either. He goes, well, you've got it. He goes, but interesting, none of that paperwork is signed. It's on your loan, but the separate documents uh, for the extended warranty and All right. the gap insurance. Got it. How much, and how much, more, how much more is it costing you for that? Uh, almost four grand. All right. Well, how much a month? Uh, I don't know what the breakdown is. All right, and it's four thousand uh, dollars, almost four grand. Over what period of time are you going to be paying uh, this? It's a five year. All right, so it's uh, a five year extended warranty at four thousand dollars. So it's what about eight hundred bucks a year, uh, seventy yeah, bucks. But what happened is they forged my signature. Oh, I, I understand and that they store they forged your signature on the additional uh, payments of seventy eighty dollars a month, right? Yeah, and right. they sold me a used car and marked it as new. Ah, now we're talking some serious violation. Now that's yeah. another issue because they can always say you signed it. No, I didn't. Yeah, you forged it. No, I didn't. And even assuming you lose, you get gap insurance, which is not a bad thing to get. And the extended warranty, which is not the end of the world either. Um, you, you may not want you may have not wanted it, but it's, uh, you know, uh, it's not the end of the world. You got something that you didn't particularly want, but there's real value there. Uh, especially if the car breaks down, depending on the extended warranty company, because they tend to sell you real crap warranties, which is why I always go exactly. to dealer. I always go to dealerships and buy the warranty from the dealer. Uh, but you're going to pay more money, but it's legit. Now, selling you a new, a used car, and saying it's new—that's a different issue. How do you prove that? Because that is a serious violation of law. Uh, how do you prove exactly. that? Their their loophole is that it was a loan car and it never was titled. So I'm actually the first person to have title on it, but it had 3,000-plus miles on it, but they marked the box as new. Uh, yeah, that is uh-huh. that is a little loophole, but that's a new car does not have 3,000 miles on it. And I don't exactly. know the rules uh, whether that loophole is going to work or not, uh, but I would argue uh, that one is an interesting one. I'd love to see case law on that. And, uh, and the problem is you bought it in Texas. So you're living in California. You have to deal with Texas. Now, uh, the other side of that, 3,000 uh, miles on a car is virtually new. I mean, you, you think about it for a moment. Uh, let's say you lose all of it, okay? Uh, what you did is paid for a new car, and it had 3,000 miles on it. Uh, who doesn't think that a 3,000-mile uh, car is not new? And you're talking about a, a Volkswagen, is that right? No, I bought I bought a Chrysler, but it was a loan car, and several people had used it. And who knows how they drove? Well, it. it doesn't matter how they drove it. You, it, they could have. It's still the car is new. I mean, it's uh, you'd see some damage if they drove it damaged. You look at the tires, for example, are they worn? You look at the the upholstery. Is someone smoke and put their cigarette out on the seat? Uh, so <laughs> it's. It's not the end of the world. In other words, uh, you you got ripped off. Say it. I'm not arguing you you, you didn't get ripped off. The issue yeah, is how badly were you ripped off? Where it seems and about the forgery, the forgery. I understand, but that's a criminal issue. I'm not saying you, you got ripped off. Say it. You got ripped uh-huh. off. However, you didn't get ripped off of twenty five thousand dollars. You got ripped off because here's a, a car we're selling is new and has three thousand miles on it. Uh, yeah. Uh, now is that worth the case? Is a lawyer going to pick that up? Is it worth flying back to Texas and filing a small claims court? Maybe. A suit? Sure, but you have to go to Texas, and you have to file, and you have to show up. 
So, and that may be worth it. I don't know. And you want to look at the value of a car. Uh, yeah, I'm all, in December, I was already $13,000 upside down. And I that doesn't matter. Office. That doesn't matter. That, uh, well, nobody wants to touch the refi because technically it was a used car. Right, and right. Gonna refi. I, I get that. Uh, mm-hmm. So you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Of course, you, you, exactly. took, you took the car home and you didn't read the paperwork and you trusted them. And that's the other idiocy because they're going to exactly. say, they're gonna say you, this is what you wanted and you can't prove it. Mm-hmm. Because you ended up signing all the paperwork as far as they're yeah. concerned and now you're arguing forgery. Now, unless you can prove it's forgery... I mean, it has to be such, they have to be such different signatures where it's clear cut that it's forgery. Yeah, it is. It's okay. The copies they gave me. All right, then like call, then what you want to do, that. all right, so call the DA, call the district attorney, call the DA in the county in Florida, not that they're going to do anything because they don't care because they've got other yeah. fish to fry, but call the cops, call the DA, because that's all you're going to go. Bottom line, Seda, you were screwed. They are, uh, they are a bunch of thieves. They are a bunch of criminals, but it's such a small case that no one is going to touch it. All right. Yeah, you got screwed. You got screwed, but you didn't get screwed that badly. It's not cases uh, like I loaned uh, my best friend $100,000 and won't pay me back, and I have no place to go, and he went bankrupt. That's serious. They sold it as new. It has 3,000 miles on it. <sighs> okay. You know, it's it's a drag. It's horrible, but it's not the end of the world. You know, it's not like you've been cut open. Your guts are spilling out. And then warranties, you know, it's not bad to have a warranty. It really isn't. And gap insurance, man, people who don't have gap insurance are crazy. I'm just letting you know that. You want gap insurance. This is Handle on the Law. KFI AM 640. We're simulating talk. Bill Handel, Saturday morning. And welcome back to Handel on the Law. All right. Uh, Brooklyn. Yes. Now, not Queen, not, not Queens, but Brooklyn. Yes. Hi. How love are that. You? Love that name, Brooklyn. What can I do for you? Um, yeah, I have a question. I um, actually sold my RV, my, my, my boyfriend's RV, to a new friend, um, we had um, an agreement in writing stating that he would pay back um, the first down payment uh, that we agreed upon after a month and then the remaining balance um, by the end of March of this year. Um, he went MIA, um, he called us, and uh, he said that the RV was towed. And um, he was not on the title. We did not switch over the title or anything like that. And um, he asked for my boyfriend's driver's license number. And, of course, my boyfriend gave it to him thinking, you know, it was a technical. I'm not sure why. Stupid on his part, I I think. Um, And um, the guy, we ended up finding out that the tow truck company actually released the car to him, to to the friend. And um, he was not on the title. He did something with the um, driver license. Um, All right. Did he? Now, he was not. Is he on title now, Brooklyn? 
My boyfriend? No. Uh, the guy no. who took the... the uh, no. The... Pardon? No, he's not. Okay, so so what's your question? My question is, do we have um, a case against oh, yeah. the road truck company? I, well, I don't know, because if, he, if they came in forging a document, if he came in with a forged document, but it gets really interesting because... Uh, when I try to take a, a car out of uh, out of Hawk, uh, my daughter's car had been stolen. It had been towed away uh, because that's what the police do. I had to go get the car, and mm-hmm. it was in my name. I had to show all this ID uh, to prove it. Now, right. it could be if he forged your name and then showed the ID it's him, then you have a criminal violation. It's that simple. You call the police uh, because not only is it forgery, it's a theft. He stole right. your car. He stole your RV. Right. Uh, so, do you have a, a claim against a towing company? Probably not. Really? Yeah. I mean, because what, what, how how do they determine that it is uh, a forgery? Do they assume it's a forgery? Well, no. Because honestly, I've had to deal with a tow in the past once before, and they are so strict about you being on the title of the car. If you are not on the title, but you know, but wait a minute, wait a minute. You, what did they? What did he forge? I'm assuming that he forged a bill of sale. That, that, you're, that, and that is not enough. You're right about that. If it was not showing title, see, I thought he forged a title document. No, no. Oh, okay. Then I think the uh, tow company is liable, and he is also in trouble for theft yeah. and, and forgery, all of that. But, yes, if the, title, if the uh, tow company just released it on a bill of sale, that is not enough. You're absolutely- and, yeah, no idea or anything. Yeah, you know? no, no. I think uh, what's the value of the RV? Um, about five, six thousand dollars. Oh yeah, yeah. I I'd instantly sue the tow company in small claims court and still go after uh your old buddy or your new buddy that turned out to be not such a buddy and just get a police report on him. When you get exactly. your money, if you get your money from a tow uh the tow yard, you are that's it. You've been reimbursed. You you can't have a double hit. Right. Okay. But I'd so go after. Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Do you think that I that we should um, try to negotiate something with the tow truck? Nope. Nope. I don't think they're going to do anything for you. I think you just straight out take them to court. Really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, if they're willing to pay you, I mean, sure, you call up and you go, hey, I want my money. They're going to tell you to go pound sand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be a court case. Kyle, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Kyle. Thank you. So, um, Bill, I work uh, at this after-school um, program, and we there's kids coming into this location and to learn about um, science and stuff. And next door is the sushi restaurant, and they relentlessly smoke their cigarettes, and they walk in front of our after-school program. And we, every, every day I smell the cigarette smoke come through the building. Okay. And every day I walk out there and say no smoking because we did put a sign up front right there that says no smoking and they're ignoring and they're smoking every well, day. Well, hold on. Let me ask you a question. You put a sign up and you've decided there's no smoking on the street? Well, um, I, I didn't make the legal decision. The law does – I believe the law does say that no, there is no smoking within 200 feet of operable windows and doors of a, of a, of a, of a, of a school. But All right. the thing is – this is not a large enough facility to be considered a school. Well, you got a problem here. Either it is a school or it is not a school. That's starters. Can okay. you legally prove that you are a school? Well, I mean, we do. We, we, uh, kids come in and we do teach them stuff, but I, I don't like the. Hey, like the, kids, the, let me tell you, my kids tutor kids and they come into our house. Does that mean it's a school? 
question. No, 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 no. You can argue all you want. Is it a school? Has it been determined to be a school? There are licensing issues with a school. There are, it's a nonprofit with a school. And there's all kinds of requirement by state law that says this is a school and you have to meet these requirements. Are you a school? Um, I mean, obviously, I would consider myself a school. I don't care what you would consider yourself. Come on, Kyle. I would consider myself a a school. Hey, how about this? I just robbed the bank. I don't consider myself a bank robber or a felon. Does anybody care? But think of the kids in the smoke. I mean, there's got to be something I can do. Legally? Yeah. I don't know what you can do. Think about it. You're dealing with the law. And the law says that you within the, as, as you give me the law because you obviously uh, know more about that specific statute or ordinance than I do, and that is within two hundred feet of a school. You're not a school. What more do you want? Well, I consider it a school. I don't care. Nobody cares but the, but the what you children. consider. The, the and nobody family. cares, Kyle. Nobody cares. About Nobody the cares. That's right. Those kids could all get lung cancer right there in front of you, and nobody cares. <laughs> oh God! I know. It just uh, how frustrating is that, huh? This is handle on the law.